Gamers, welcome to Sonic the Comic, the podcast, and it is Strike One. Why is that? Well, Dave, happy birthday. <laughs> happy birthday, Chris. And happy birthday, yeah. STC. Because it's STC's first birthday. Came out on the 28th of May, cover dated the 10th of June. So uh, it's STC's first birthday, which means it's our first birthday. Hooray! Yeah, we've been doing this. I have not been able to do anything else with my life except edit this podcast for a full year. (laughs) Sitting in my cafe, I'm not even allowed to sit in anymore. Yay. Okay, you're bringing (laughs) the mood down, but but we have a special guest this episode to help us celebrate. Special? How special are we talking, Priest? Because this is a a special issue, so we should have got a special guest right well happy birthday guys who are you it's me david marriott hey. editor for sonic at idw publishing the current what editor leader yeah overlord of sonic comics you know what you are you're the current megadroid i am the current That's, megadroid that, that is, is absolutely what he true. is <laughs> <laughs> i am the current megadroid that is absolutely true it is an honor to have megadroid himself on our podcast megadroid what are we up to now 3.0 well, I suppose uh, you'd be genocide, wouldn't you, over there? Ugh, I don't like that. <laughs> well, how, if you don't like genocide, Chris, how about genitoid? Is that any better? No, nope, because that's, that's what I nearly said. <laughs> well, I mean, considering the comic, I think I'm Dreamcastazoid. Yeah. <laughs> we usually ask our guests um, how they first came to Sonic the comic, but um, there's yes. a slight problem here, and it's not just because you're American, is it, David? Uh, no. So I came to Sonic the comic very late in life because it did start mm-hmm. before I was alive. Oh my word! Um, really? Yeah. So we read an issue from before I was born. <laughs> but. This isn't actually my first issue of Sonic the Comic. I have managed to read just a little bit of it as part of my duties as editor of hey, the IDW stuff and making sure I'm checked out on all things Sonic Comics. Oh, that's brilliant. That's very progressive of you. That's good to know, actually. Yeah. I bet nobody at Archie ever did that. No, exactly. <laughs> So this isn't your first issue of Sonic the Comic, but you have been uh, listening along with the podcast, I believe. I have. Oh. I am up to date through, uh, what, the Shinobi special poster mag that came out. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That is, that is at time of recording, 100% up to yeah. date. <laughs> That's probably more than some of our regular listeners. I mean, you are a regular listener, but, you know, regular, ordinary. Yes, <laughs> normal listener. Normal listener. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's genuinely shocking. You're not obliged to do that, you know, just to stay in our good books. No, I know. I do it because I enjoy it. Wow. Oh, great. Yeah. And you can write it off on your taxes if it costs anything. <laughs> yeah, all the costs involved in listening to a podcast. <laughs> Well, uh, there's not a lot to say about the outside of this issue because the cover is mm. all about the fact it's the birthday. Yep, it's just a big head of Sonic looking grouchy and he's got one finger poking up. He looks annoyed at it being his birthday, you know? Yeah. it's a, There's a Carl Flint cover, and I do wonder mm. if it was commissioned for this, or if it's just uh, a piece of art that happened to work. I think probably it was, because that finger is so prominent. It it, it harkens back to the, you know, the Ghostbusters 2 fingers, or what have you. I, I mean, it's it's very much his, like, wagging finger. Mm. It's just yeah, wagging at you, the reader, for reading the book and celebrating his birthday. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I remember that this cover would get recycled as a poster in a summer special somewhere down the line. Really? But yeah, but it's a really chintzy poster because the sonic image is like it's... Um, smaller than it appears on the page here so you can oh. see like the unpainted bit of white paper below where this cover stops your online guide to the sensational world of sega and sonic the comic hosted by megadroid the original megadroid not this one we've got today <laughs> no <laughs> the old yellow chunky model bit of a light control zone though because it's the birthday and they they've uh we've got the usual yeah. welcome screen and then the uh which we'll go over in a second, but then the rest of the control zone is just taken up with a checklist of stories that have been in the uh, in the comic up to this yeah, point. Yeah, it's interesting that, isn't it? It says, just for a change, we're giving you a present. How about a year's worth of seriously Sega-charged excitement? Here's a list of every awesome series we've run in STC over the past 12 months. Check out which ones you've missed and just think, if STC can do all this in a year, what's coming up in the next 12 months? They're reasonable to be excited because some good stuff's coming up. And then, yeah, it's just, it's literally everything they've printed. Yeah. Decap Attack, 10 to 15. Echo the Dolphin, 13 to 18. And so I'm on. I'm going to stop you there, Dave. We need to run through of all those. The thing I remember about this is that this was where I learned, or we learned you know, as an audience, that the Sonic Terminator was going to be five parts long. Oh, they, you're they, right. They tell us there at the final part is next issue. Oh, I never thought of that. Yeah, 24 to 28, it says. I don't think I did notice that. And that a new Tales issue, uh, story starts next issue, but then Megadroid oh. has told us about that over on the left. Where he does his usual chatty business, selling selling us on points of the comic that's coming up. But um, oh, there's only one thing I feel the need to really mention this time. Yeah. I imagine same same to you, Chris. Yeah. And that is the very last paragraph, which says... It's not often that I mention those Humes around here by name, but even I had to shed a spot of oil when Claire Gilmore, STC's demon designer since issue one, packed her bags and fled the office screaming, You'll never catch me! <laughs> Claire was last seen heading for the far side of the planet. Does she think she's safe there? Ha! Bon voyage, Claire! STC will miss you. And yeah, Claire Gilmore wasn't a name that I remembered from reading the comic in youth, but... Uh, oh, I did. Yeah, um, so yeah, Timothy Reed is the new designer. Um, yep. Not that he's changed anything about the comic. Well, he's changed the font. Again, has he changed the font, or <laughs> is it just a little bit narrower? And I know, will I it be I... that way next issue? Yeah, I, I think it is a change of font. Uh, my question is, is it deliberate this time? or like, has, has like Claire the Gil last time. <laughs> Maybe that is Claire Gilmore's font. I mean, is that a thing designers do, stroke did? Like, bring their own fonts to the table and then run off taking them with them? Oh, that's certainly... It's not implausible. Designers, yeah, that's certainly a thing that they have done. I have uh, had to chase various freelance letterers and designers down to be like, hey, I need to add one period here. Can I get this whole font from you? <laughs> <laughs> well, it looks like Timothy Reed is just keeping on with the design apart from, apart from maybe the font. We'll keep an eye on the font. We'll know, we'll know <laughs> next issue. But SDC does do a full-scale redesign at some point in the future, but that's still quite a ways off, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I can't remember exactly when that happens, but maybe that was him getting to put his stamp on it. Or maybe that'll be some other designer entirely. Oh, what secrets the future holds. <laughs> I do you know, I, I feel as if there is a slight difference to be seen here, and I can't quite put my finger on it. Is it the gradient from dark purple to light pink in, uh, in the background? Is that something we've had? Physical copies are closer to you than to me, Dave. You're absolutely right. Here we go. Yeah, that number 19 is a, is a solid block of colour, so maybe... 
Maybe Timothy Reed has brought in the uh, the gradient. That's all he's done. Well, you know, it was the 90s. We were just discovering how to make gradients on our computers. Yeah. <laughs> so, David, how does this editorial introduction stack up? I think it works. Rare is the time when I write editorial introductions, but I clearly got a very good idea of what I was getting into and who Megadroid was, so that was that was nice. I will say, missed opportunity... You run the birthday checklist. You should also remind people that you can now order the back issues of the book. Yeah, exactly. Good so, point. Look at that. See, yeah. professionalism on this podcast which, at last, eh? Which I don't think is mentioned anywhere in this issue. Even though yeah, no, the back issue zone is not in this issue, no. Mm-hmm. That's definitely an oversight. The we've lost again. We've, lo- we've lost to FIFA. Look oh, at that. no, I didn't Sonic even know Sonic 3 down to 2. Uh, it's going to keep happening. I know it's going to keep happening for the I rest mean, of our lives. It could, it could it's creep keep... back up. It could. It's only it been could. two months since Sonic yeah. 3 came out. Yeah. Oh, no. And already beaten by FIFA. Flipping <laughs> heck. It should have been the everything I do of games, but no. Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> The Sonic Terminator, Part 4, written by Nigel Kitching, art by Richard Elson, letters by Steve Potter. The Freedom Fighters arrive at Never Lake just in time to see the Miracle Planet fade away, leaving Sonic and Amy trapped on the strange little world with Metallics. With Metallics drawing power from the planet itself, Sonic seems unlikely to defeat his robot doppelganger until Metallics is blindsided and knocked out by a tiny duplicate of Sonic himself. The newcomer introduces himself as Sonic's own future self, then pushes the present-day Sonic into a shrinking ray and hands him a Time Stone, which will allow him to travel into the past and prevent any of this from happening. But before he can do so, Metallics reactivates. So, this is part four of five, so I'm afraid we've uh, dropped you in at a funny place, David. Yeah. Were you able to pick up on what had been going on at all? Sure. I mean, it... (laughs) The nice thing is that since this is at least partially an adaptation of Sonic CD, like, I kind of get what's going on. It's easy (laughs) enough to get into it. By the way, Dave, there's your proper full-on Porker Lewis hands, if you were waiting for Uh, them. They were easily missed last issue. There they are, this issue. He no longer has trotters, he now has hands. (laughs) Well, you Um, say that now, but uh, just wait for a few more pages. I noticed something. Oh, okay. (laughs) We talked last episode a little bit about about Miracle Planet versus Little Planet, and how in the game canon it's supposed to be one month out of the year that it's there for, but I think probably just as a result of like a miscommunication or a mistranslation, STC made it that it's there a couple of days every month. Um... And, and in the game, the idea was that Robotnik had chained the planet up so that it couldn't drift away. So I, I think the idea maybe in the games was always supposed to be that it simply drifted oh, it just, off into it just space orbited and, off. Then, yeah. and, and then oh. appeared again. Which, again, is why I love the STC version more, because it fits the name more, the miracle yeah. planet. It, 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 it goes somewhere else to God. some unknown, unknowable place. Chris, I've never thought of that before, but of course you're absolutely right. Yeah, it just go it's just a planet that goes away. It's a little planet. It's a moon that goes away, comes back, and Robotnik chains it up. Yeah, of course that's what it is. Never thought of that because of course this version is the version that's ingrained in your in mind, me. Yeah. 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 But STC actually presents a miracle planet that disappears into thin air and then reappears. Yeah. yeah. And that's better. <laughs> <laughs> It speaks to my tastes, personally. Of course it's better. It's SDC. <laughs> I quite like that there's a, a Robotnik head 
on the Miracle Planet. I don't remember if that's in the game. I don't think it is, is it? The, on the other end of the chain, I mean. There's a metal version of the of the face carved into the rock, which I think is from the game, isn't it? Is it? Oh, the, f- the face in the rock is, yeah. yeah. I don't know about the face on the Miracle Planet, I'm not sure. No, I don't think it is. You have to appreciate, to a certain extent, the fidelity to the game design, given how outdated it is within the world of STC. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, well, you're right! It's a, it's a, yes, it's an original Robotnik face. Yeah, original oh, I brand. never thought of that. So Sonic's on the Miracle Planet, and he's watching Mobius disappear behind him. And then Amy shows up, and we establish the Metallic Madness Zone. And then the next thing that happens is the uh, the, the first appearance of Metallics up here on the planet. And it's a slightly odd one, isn't it? Yeah, he kind of phases out of a building. I'm not sure what is going on there, because intangibility would not typically be a Metallic's power. Uh, That never comes back again, no. Mm. I mean, we have this idea that Metallic's Mm. presents after Sonic gives him a spin attack, that he's made from the same technology as the Miracle Planet. Mm. That's not not a game thing. He is a product of the technology that, that has spread across the Miracle Planet somehow in the last month. Yeah. So I wonder if the idea is supposed to be that he is—he's just he one is with it. Part. He can sort of T one thousand into yeah. it, and out of it, but no, but he never does it again. Well, what we have is four. It's one of those where the the top half of the page is divided into four, and at the start you've got this big contraption of either building or machine or both, and then for the rest of them, Metallics is phasing out of it and gradually regaining color and solidity. So you know what I did? I looked it up in the script. Oh, we have the script. Because I've got the script for this one, and I, I deliberately didn't send it to you ahead of time so that oh. this could, so that I could tell you this, and you could be like, "Oh, um, <laughs> I will be too." The thing of metallics phasing through the metal is just something Richard Elson made up. It is not yeah. in the script. What it says in the script is, behind them we can see the twisted metal background. A portion of it is beginning to move. By panel four, this apparently abstract piece of metal will have uncurled and changed shape to reveal itself as Metallico, which it was uh. called at the scripting stage. Do you remember that bit in the first Alien film where Ripley thinks she's safely got herself to some kind of lifeboat pod which has been ejected from the main ship? And as she prepares to go into suspended animation, we see the alien uncurling itself from the machinery in the background where it was almost invisible. This is the scene I'm thinking of here. Yeah. That- that would have been cooler. <laughs> so I guess Richard has gone, ah, oh, look, that's that's complicated. What I'm going to do is I'm going to do some T-1000 phasing through stuff. I can understand why, from an artistic perspective, why you would make that decision. Because otherwise, maybe with your editor's eye, David, you can, sure. you can see what you think about this. Otherwise, you'd have to have a background of incredible complexity. You'd have to have it be made up of so many bits that a folded-up Metal Sonic can be completely disguised among all the stuff. Whereas here, it's able to be a bit more of a solid shape. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's a bit easier in the eye. Absolutely. That's why I was actually going to say, if you tried to have him hidden in the background and slowly unfurl, like that's that's just going to be so hard with how narrow these panels are. Yeah. Mm. So instead, it makes sense to go for the T-1000, or it gave me very uh, Marvel Comics Vision vibes. Mm. There you go. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that's really what it is. He is literally that's just what it is. phasing through it. He's, he's not morphing. I also find yeah. it interesting just because that's something that would be picked up in later Sonic stuff. Oh! Um, mm-hmm. That's basically what Gemeral does. Uh, Eggman has him, you know, hooked into various machines that he can merge with and he can almost phase in and out of those. So. Huh. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. 
<laughs> I mean, my, my mental picture for how you would achieve that artistically was probably that you cast the background as on a, just a solid silhouette, and then yeah. part of the outline moves, and that's how you would accomplish the effect. Yeah, you have the red eyes come on, that sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just lights up. Yeah. And, um... Uh, oh, boop, 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 yeah. It's back! <laughs> this bit is not dead! <laughs> Amy's eyelids, watch! Yep. Last issue, Amy's eyelids were pink, pink, like her quills pink, but this issue, they're <laughs> flesh-toned. And, and the, the theme holds, even with Metal Sonic. I, oh, yeah, don't worry. I, yeah, I had an eyelid watch queued up for him. In the two panels where he gets walloped and he, and he, and he, and he blinks. We get mm-hmm. a silver eyelid He's for silver. him, the colour of his muzzle. I mean, he, he shouldn't be blinking. No, but think. artistic license. Come on. The, the lights should just go off. And we give the, what should uh, happen. Yeah, or they should go like fizzed into a little drawing of closed eyelids. I'd have that. <laughs> <laughs> but we, I'm prepared to offer Richard any artistic license he wants. This pic, the, the picture where Amy's eyes are closed is a very good metallics. It's yes. seen from behind. He's oh, yeah. blasting a laser out. He's all chromey. His shapes and angles are just right. Well, I like it a lot. Ooh. I mean, Metallics in this is uh, at the height of what we imagine Metallics as being. He's he's flying around, zippity zapping from the sky yeah. with his lasers and everything, and he's he's doing a like a, a, a who would a character I would compare it to? Well, Shockwave from the Marvel Transformers comics is the first one who comes to mind. Who's calculating the percentages of uh, of the way the fight's going in his favor as he flies? You know, he is a a mind. He, well, we talked about this before, but and I bring it up purely because I'd like to throw it over to David as an American who we we've discussed before. Not jokingly, have a very different conception of what Metal Sonic yeah. is as a character, and I'd like to I'd like to raise that subject. Yeah, no, I mean, I will say that I was thrown by the fact that he was talking. In my conception of what Metal Sonic is, he is a silent but uh, deadly guy. (laughs) No, that's not... We were talking last uh, last episode, which hasn't come out yet, is about how we've never been able to successfully conceive a voice for him. Mm. We can't imagine what he sounds like in any way. Yeah. Mm. No, and uh, I very much can't either, because in my mind, he's not supposed to talk. He is, in some ways, almost more of a tool than he is a character, which is a real bummer, because he's so cool looking, and <laughs> you want to have fun with him, but... You know, I'm a little surprised that that's your conception of him, because so many Americans that I talk to have a, a much uh, a more of a conception of him as a character, following on, of course, you are young, too young to have experienced it in your youth the uh, the um, <laughs> when this was all fields <laughs> when this was back when this were all fields and we had to go uphill in the snow both ways to get to the sonic ova <laughs> we did which we absolutely seems did to have i know which seems to have informed the visions of of people our age of what metal sonic is so the fact that you imagine him as a kind of t1000 style cold rem- endless like machine Mm -hmm. um, rather than something that can I mean I don't know I I, I don't fully know what I would compare Metal Sonic to at this point in STC's life much later on he will be a Dalek yes that's what Metal Sonic will be Um, they will do a lot with that concept this time well he's more like a Terminator this time the the, the story is called the Sonic Terminator for a reason and it's not just because there's a, a killer remorseless robot in it but as we find out at the Mm. end of this issue it's because hey time travel and paradoxes and stuff were happening in it too it lives up to its name as the sonic terminator it's i've forgotten how 
powerful he felt, you know? I'd forgotten how <laughs> how hopeless it felt for anyone to go up against him. Because he can just he just keeps coming, he keeps phasing through walls, he keeps blasting you, he, he keeps he can fly, mm-hmm. he's got lightning coming out of his hands, he's huge and spiky. Um there's this sudden time travel angle in which a tiny little version of Sonic shows up, introduces himself as Sonic from the future, and he is clutching what is described here as a time stone. <laughs> but of course, we saw last issue in Sonic's World, mm. which is a, the encyclopedia strip that tells us about stuff. It introduced us to the time stones last issue, and they were Chaos Emeralds. They were all mm. different colours. They were not, as they are here, just a chunk of rock. Yeah, just a stone egg. Yeah, A grey potato. (laughs) Yep, that's exactly what it is. And he says, so this is a time stone. uh, Well, what he says is, This is a time stone. Take it. You gotta travel (laughs) into the past and stop all this ever happening. So that's the introduction. We know that the time stone is going to be involved somehow. This is where that use of Sonic's world to like do all the prelay for, yeah. for, for the Sonic Terminator comes in, even though the, the designs of the things don't match between strips. Yeah, so I thought, okay, this is one of those interesting points. Why is it that's not a time stone? People who've mm. played the game will know that. People who've read last issue will know that. So I looked it up in the script. Here's what it says, and I this I like this. This gave me a little laugh. So... Panel 1, where we are introduced to the little Sonic, it says, Suddenly, Metallico is struck very hard by a small blue object. Although it's not clear in this panel, this is the Sonic from the future. The future Sonic has been shrunk down in size, but I'll leave you to decide just how small he should be. Check the video and see how small he needs to be to make the rest of the story work. And this reminded me that, yeah, Nigel has told us that now and then, he would video himself playing Sonic games to give them to oh. Richard Elson, who wasn't a Sonic player, and he was a Mario guy. <laughs> yeah, because to fully contextualize it, like, the shrink beam, that's yeah. a thing from the Metallic Madness Zone in, yeah. in Sonic CD, where Sonic gets shrunk down to fit into small spaces and everything in the zone. This is why we say Sonic the comic properly adapts these things. <laughs> <laughs> and he turns into a lovely little sweet Sonic with big head and big eyes. He's brilliant. And here he is. Here's the little version of Sonic here in the uh, in the comic. So we now know that Nigel is videotaping himself playing Sonic CD and he's giving it to Richard Elson to draw. Here is the description for panel three in which we first see the time stone. Mm. This future Sonic is holding a time stone. Brackets. I can't refer you to the video for a reference of this, since I've never managed to get one in the game. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. And believe me, I've tried. <laughs> Better make the time stone at least the size of a tennis ball. <laughs> so that's all that Richard's going by. He's just like, there's something called a time stone. It's about the size of a tennis ball. All right. And he's drawn something a bit like a ball. <laughs> More like an egg. God, I guess that means we must assume that Mike Hadley must have been playing <laughs> Sonic, Sonic CD, CD and was better at it than Nigel Kitchen because he was able to draw them right in Sonic's world. Either that or he made an equal educated guess of going like, ah, there'll be Chaos Emeralds. <laughs> ah, but he got it a little too right. <laughs> anyway, but, but I don't... I mean, yeah, it's, it sucks that it's just a, an imaginary made-up thing and doesn't yeah. pair up with the games. But at the same time, I, I like the fact that it's visually distinct from a Chaos Emerald, mm. if nothing else. Yeah, But it's yeah. not exactly inspiring looking. Yeah, it, it works nicely for the story, doesn't it? Mm. And then Metallics recovers and towers over them because of course now they're both really little so you've got this they're both shrunk this nearly full page shot of a gigantic metallics going reboot completed 
Efficiency level 100%. With his laser powering up to zap them and yeah. lightning going everywhere and lightning Sparking in his off them eyes. and everything. Oh, it's fun. David, let this seven-page story lands on your desk. Is there anything you'd have edited or changed or fixed? <laughs> yeah, but you guys aren't going to be happy to hear about it. Uh-oh. <laughs> go on, go on. You have blue eyelids. <laughs> oh, the oh, most dear. deeply no, I'm not happy to hear that at all. I've ever heard. <laughs> what a lot of nonsense. Blue eyelids, change the way they looks from behind, you know, uh, all now, these things. That I'll give you, because this, yes, this is early days when they're still kind of guessing at how to draw something from behind, and it, it is a bit awkward. He's kind of like a palm tree. Yeah, people say Christmas tree from head on, but from the back. Christmas tree from the tree. front, yeah. yeah. The front, but that sort of leafy palm tree from behind. Mm. I don't think that would ever go anywhere, you know, generally. I mean, that, that's like a three quarters from behind view. When he's head on behind, it's really strange. It's not actually oh, in yeah. this anywhere. You get the, the spines get drawn as like circles with a little triangle yeah. in to show the As if they're <laughs> drooping. For listeners, what we're talking about is we have one picture of Sonic fully from behind on page two, and... Imagine his back row of spikes is poking backwards, but both of his side rows of spikes are poking out to the side. As if, I mean, I think it's kind of working on Mickey Mouse ear physics, isn't it? Where, like, it doesn't work from this angle. They haven't given us a very good model. So we just assume that it all works the way it does from head on, which is that they poke out to the side, which yeah. is as per a model sheet that they were given. Hmm. I mean, he's got three rows of spikes, yeah. one left, one center, one right, and just kind of got to work with it yeah, from yeah. there on. I'm glad that got sorted out. Though I do take objection to that blue eyelids remark, yeah. because not in 1994. <laughs> Look at the title screen of the first game. Yeah, but we know you have a job to do there. <laughs> that is the rule, and we know it is. This issue, this is such a strong memory for me, oh, this yeah. issue and this strip. Do you know, it's, it's actually so weird. I was outside earlier, very briefly, because mm, current times. And it's exactly the same out there now, today, as it was the day I came home with this comic. Oh. I remember sitting on my front step uh. in the lovely May sunshine, yeah. nice and warm, and just sitting there and opening it up to that first panel of the Freedom Fighter standing around the lake. Yeah. Oh, it's a real deep sense memory <laughs> associated with Sonic the Comic. And it's just like that out there today. Oh, oh isn't that fitting? Isn't it nice when it smells the same, you know? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and then to read on and read the rest of the strip, too, was suddenly time travel and shrinking and all sorts of stuff was coming in. And I, I hadn't played Sonic CD, so I didn't realize these were specifically things taken from the game. No, it's the same. But also, it set me off on liking a certain sort of story this this mm. i don't know a sort of wild abandon of the stuff that can happen but you have to have an explanation that works which actually it was just shortly after this that i started watching red dwarf yo rimmer look i've been thinking what you know about going into stasis and everything how did i do what <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean how did i do what Lister, don't be a gimboid i'm not being a gimboid i've just been in the library thinking and i've decided Shut up! <laughs> As I was saying before I was so rudely interrupted, I've decided when you go into stasis, I want to stay behind. I want to be left on. What? On, on your own for the rest of your life? What things, eh? <laughs> I said what? What's going on? You're space crazy. I'm space crazy! Well, it probably is deja vu. It sounds like it. I've already commented on how Nigel's written for Red Dwarf before, for the, for the comic anyway. And part of that 
either has stuck with him or is intrinsic to him. And there's a bit like this on the second to last page when the our Sonic is being shrunk down. Sonic that's him in the future, who's already shrunk down, says, let's see, what, what did I say when this happened in my past? Oh yes, well this had better not be a trick. And our Sonic says, well this had better not be a trick. <laughs> that is almost, that's it's not word for word the same, but it's the same joke and the same spirit as, I think it's episode three or four of Red Dwarf, where it's future echoes mm. and Rimmer comes in and says a load of stuff that doesn't make sense because he's saying it in the future, but we don't know this yet. Then he walks out the room and comes straight back in again. And Lister says to him, How did you do that? How did I do what? You just a second walked out of that door. Lister, don't be a gimboy. I swear <laughs> on my grandmother's life as you walked out of that door. You came in this one? I've just been in the library thinking, and I've decided... Really? I'm telling you? Shut up. As I was saying before I was so rudely interrupted, I've decided when you go into stasis, I want to stay behind. I want to be left on. Rima, you just come in and said exactly these things. What things? You said that. I said what? And that. You said that. You are space crazy. And then you said, well, it probably is deja vu. Well, it probably is deja vu. It sounds like. <laughs> and that's, that's this. I don't think it was because of this story, but I've always loved time travel stuff oh yeah. you know you know not not specifically like oh we went back to the dinosaurs i mean like no. stuff that uses time travel as a part of the plot you know as a component like sonic of the in story. the fourth dimension yes oh i mean i think it was sonic in the fourth dimension that really yeah. gave me the love of of like paradoxes and and time loops and stuff that i still love in stories today mm. so getting a bit of that and i don't but i don't know if i'd read fourth dimension or not yet we discussed last one the last time these books came up. They didn't come out when we thought they came out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they they felt like they came out earlier on than when they were advertised. Like I thought I got Fourth Dimension at a primary school book fair in the last yeah. year, but apparently it didn't come out till I would have already been in secondary school. No, that's nonsense. I know for sure that I had it in the summer before <laughs> prove big it. school. Prove it. I can't prove it. I can't exactly. prove it. No. <laughs> Can I? No, I can't. That was when I reread it. Damn. <laughs> Refuso! Refuso! What have we got in review zone this time? Ba -ba -bum -bum -bum. Well, we can't escape the oppressive existence of sports games <laughs> with the NBA <laughs> showdown on the Mega Drive. Then I remembered the name Bubba and Sticks on the yes. Mega Drive. I uh, never played it. And then... Here we are. The accursed Normie's, Normie's Beach, Beach Babarama. Which uh, we heard about in the news zone several issues ago when it was still just called Normie. Yeah. And normally we, we wonder if we play. I never played any of these, and I don't feel like, David, I have to ask you if you played any of these somehow. No, I have not. <laughs> NBA Showdown's actually the most familiar to me. Uh -huh. It sounds so much like NBA Jam, a game I actually do know, yeah. but. Don't they mention it here? Mm. Pleasantly surprised when NBA Jam and NBA Showdown appeared on the shelves within a month of each other. It's a, the whole thing is about comparing it to NBA Jam, in fact. Yeah, and I, and I also, even despite the fact that I wouldn't touch any such thing with a barge pole, do recognise the name NBA Jam. I wouldn't have been able to tell you it was the name of a game. I mm. don't know if it is. Is that what they call the game? Like, is there a TV... 
Is that like match of the day in America, NBA Jam? Uh, <laughs> no, you just sort of call basketball games jams. Oh. You know, like Space Jam, yeah. a movie I know you refuse to watch, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting nudged around on that. Haven't changed that yet, have we? You know, David, I should ask, since we're here talking about games at this point, what was your first console yeah. and video game? We've talked about ours in the past. My first actual console would have been... The GameCube, and I think my first game was Pokemon Coliseum. (laughs) But my first Sonic game was Sonic Adventure for the Dreamcast, which goes all the way back to my earliest days with IDW because I got my Dreamcast and my first copy of Sonic Adventure from IDW founder Ted Adams (laughs) from when they were not actually a comics publisher yet, but were basically making game walkthrough guides. What? I didn't know that. I didn't know IDW ever did that. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. How long ago was that? That would have been around 2001, 2002. Right. Okay, so that, that so that might see my next question was going to be you didn't work for them yet, right? <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> and I'm thinking uh, no. Soon enough. <laughs> wow. Why? Why did he give you that? Uh, my dad was the first editor-in-chief of IDW. I didn't uh, know that either. And they had worked together at Wildstorm before that. So, so it was a present for his friend's kid. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sega was very impressed when I told them that story the first time they <laughs> came to talk Sonic with us. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, that means that in your heart of hearts is Eyelids of Flesh Tone. In my heart of hearts, <laughs> his eyelids are... <laughs> Quite right. <laughs> Sega approves. <laughs> well, that's far more interesting than anything on these two pages, I must say. <laughs> hey, I'm going to stand up for Bubba and Sticks, one of the good Amiga games. here to the Mega Drive in rather a lackluster way by the sound of it. Okay, I was gonna say, I, I feel like you just stick up for it because it was on the Amiga. That may be true. There's certainly a, but there is a core of that. It was made by core. That was a joke. I didn't uh, but, get it. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> no, but I do not understand why it is described in the terms it is. It says here, um, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Graphically, the game is slightly bland and yeah. uninspiring. Yeah. Um, looks it to me, to be honest with you. That's really weird. Because Bubba and Sticks is like, it's just a really, basically what Bubba and Sticks is, and I think the reason you may have even heard of it, Chris, unless you unless you just had heard of it, is because I brought it up as the, the good version of what Normie's Beach Babarama is trying to be. This is a game where it's drawn as though by a cartoonist rather mm. than normal graphics. It's all very, very cartoony. And it's... Whatever happens, people are reacting in funny ways. But it actually is. It's actually nice to look at. And um, I don't... I genuinely don't understand how anyone could describe it as bland-looking in 1994. Like, today, maybe. I don't know. Looking at those screenshots, I'm not inspired. But, but are you not? I, I, even just looking at the... In comparison to certainly what we know of Normie, yeah. I mean, I can see that they've well, accomplished what they were setting out to do much better. The moment that I use to describe this game whenever I'm telling anyone about it, and usually I just show them, but I'll have to describe it today, is <laughs> there's a moment in this first level that you can see here where you're walking along, and you are walking at a plodding pace. It's a puzzle game. It's not an action game. Um, there you are, plodding along, 
and these two little alien things appear on screen. And they're just like little blobs. One of them's got eyes on stalks. One of them's got a big nose. They're just little blobby cartoony things. They're very funny to look at. They're nicely drawn. And they're just having an argument. They're just going like... And as you approach them, if you get close... If you get too close to these little arguing things, they stop arguing and they just turn around and they just glare at you and they just wait for you to go away. And when you go away... They just carry on with their argument. And what you're supposed to do is throw your stick at them. One of them grabs the stick, clonks the other one over the head. Its little head lump goes up and you can then jump on that to reach a higher platform. Whereupon, shortly afterwards, the big bad boss of the game, who's a big robot, can be seen sneaking up a cliff edge with a big boulder. He pushes it. It lands, bounces off a mushroom, flattens him, and he waddles off to the side. It's one of them sorts of games. Only good. Oh, that does something good, actually, yeah. It is good. (laughs) And Normie's Beach Brebber Armour is trying to do a similar thing. I'm very surprised to find them doing it at the same time, because, you know, maybe it was just an idea that was floating in the ether at the time, and, and I would say that Bubba and Stick succeeded where Normie failed. At that. Well, Bubba and Sticks got 76 and Trombones. Normie got 62. I think we Only have long since ascertained that these mean nothing. <laughs> yeah, but still, uh, just still nothing. even we. I mean, well, let's be honest. The 100% scoring system means nothing. You know, what's the difference between a game that is 62 and 63%? Nothing. But when you see even an official magazine get down into the forbidden numbers, you know, <laughs> the sixes. Well, that's Nobby. That's Nobby. And, and they're still using the screenshot. Uh, that I ascertained wasn't from the game, where they're going along on the boat. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. I couldn't bring up the interest to go back and look at the news zone to see, but it looked like the same one. No no mention, I notice, in the review of how it's changed or anything like that. No. No callback to when they announced it as being something else. No, although they do. It's not as if they're pretending it's still the thing with the law firm or whatever it was. They? No. Yeah. They are describing the Beach Babe version. But yeah, no, they don't mention that they simply got it completely wrong before and we're describing a totally different game. Random observation, though, again, is that uh, we've got three reviewers on this one. David Gibbon mm. does Bubba and Sticks. Then the two newcomers, who we've only seen do one or two before, is Jenny Fromer on uh, Normie's Beach Babarama and Nick Pratz on NBA Showdown. And again, um, Pratz and Fromer deliver two quite nice ones, quite quite yeah. personal reviews about the things. Pratz is able to talk about NBA Jam and his familiarity with sports games, and uh, Gibbon just lists the features of the game in the middle. Yep. <laughs> Skates' Story, Part 3 Written by Mark Miller, art by Peter Richardson Letters by Tom Frame While Axel, Blaze and Max squeeze information about Mr X's bomb plot from a crooked cop Skates examines the contents of his stepfather's disc He asks Roach and his gang for help taking down the corrupt cops But they're not interested So Skates goes it alone But, unfortunately, he's caught while attempting to catch the cops in question admitting their crimes on tape. The disc is destroyed, and Skates is driven off in the boot of a cop car to be killed. To be killed in a children's comic. (laughs) I want to throw this one over to David because this is is Mark Miller. Yeah. So this has got to be a bit of a a shock going from Sonic into this. (laughs) But at the same time... This is so Mark Miller. This is not even prototypical Mark <laughs> no, Miller anymore. He's so got it now. Please tell us what you thought of this. <laughs> I had fun with it. I will be honest. I'm not really a Mark Miller guy. No, that's fine. No, neither no, am I. But no, nope. as as soon as I saw that 
Skates had a poor nerd from his school. Yeah, grinding his boot into their face to keep him under the desk. Keeping them under the desk. I'm like, oh yeah, this is Mark Miller. Uh, The fact that one of the people in the homicide division is named Sergeant Violent. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I I saw that, right? Sergeant Violenti. Violenti, yeah. (laughs) I was was reading through all the others looking for uh, shame-ins all the way through the list, and I couldn't couldn't find any more. Yeah, because it's just like a list of names of all like the cops that you've heard about in these movies alcazar harvey mckinley torelli wasserman all these names yeah. from an 80s action movie and then this then at the end there it's sergeant, sergeant violenti yeah <laughs> although they, they did it underneath that there i was trying to decipher it what is patriomani mcgruber i thought to myself and That's i'm like it. oh they've just f***ed up the spelling of patrolman tremendously mm-hmm. <laughs> oh you're right <laughs> <laughs> I love this. It's it's actually kind of what I want from a Mark Miller comic. No, same. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it just leans so hard into the absurdity, and the art really captures that. Uh, I can't stop looking at Roach. I think that guy's mm. great. Yep. I really wish that Mark Miller was given the same constraints now that he was given during this and, and had to write one of these again, because... I love this. <laughs> yeah. It's something that I've actually talked with former IDW Sonic editor mm. Joe Hughes about a lot, which is, he and I agree, our favorite Mark Miller comics are his Superman Adventures run, mm. the animated Superman stuff. I think if you just have him, you know, constrained to having to tell a story for children, but say, sure, you can get a little bit violent and wacky with it, he's going to turn out something really nice. Exactly, because then he becomes the writer who is pushing against the boundaries of what you can do in a kid's comic Mm -hmm. and for the kids who are paying attention which admittedly at the time I wasn't because I was only interested in Sonic it's exciting because you're going oh look he's being driven off to be killed by crooked cops in my kid's comic yes I I swear I still don't think I truly understood that you know yeah you know I mean I I read the words and the words went in but I, I just like I really don't think I fully properly understood and appreciated that no. crooked policemen bent coppers were taking this kid off to be executed gangland style yeah i wasn't able to pass that sort of thing and it just went it it's interesting isn't it you know like parents are very careful about like all the what their kids should and shouldn't see but a lot of stuff they shouldn't see or at least shouldn't understand goes just over their heads mm. i, I mm-hmm. Have you ever, like, watched something that you know you watched as a kid, and you're like, whoa, hang on, I simply didn't know that line was in it, or whatever. Yeah, Streets of Rage! Streets of Rage! <laughs> Do you know what I noticed about this issue is, um, it's doing something the previous ones haven't. I don't know that it was so much a standard back in the day, but it's a bit more standard now that it's scene change on a page turn. Hmm. There are no captions at all to say later or meanwhile or days later. Nothing like that. Um, And it makes me wonder. Do you remember last issue? We were noticing how there was that caption that said, meanwhile, blocks away, when Axel rolled up to talk to Skates and it was actually like days or weeks later. And I wonder then, was that an editorial thing? Did they slip that caption in to try and compensate for that, for the one scene change like this that happened but, in there. But the editor wasn't reading it. Wasn't catching it, right? Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Because this issue really jumps around. You know, page one is skates with the kid under the under the desk while he's using his computer. And by the way, wasn't that a flashback to the nineties where the idea that <laughs> using a computer was some yeah. nerd thing that only dweebs and rich people did, instead of us literally carrying around a supercomputer in our pockets. I mean, look, the the opening lines. So you get this picture of skates on a computer. And you know, when I was looking at it, I was just like, Yep. But you're supposed to react like, what? What's he doing? Someone as cool as him on a computer. And the caption says, there's always one. This is the opening dialogue of the comic. There's always one jerk in every class who's into computers. One specky wimp with rich parents who drive him to school. I should know. I've got one pinned down under my skate shoe right now. And then it cuts to a close up of this kid's face being ground into the wall by his skate. (laughs) And it's such Mark Miller dialogue too. And I I did you see that poster in the background? Daft of leotard. Course. <laughs> of course. Yes. <laughs> great. But so that the first page is this scene, then turn page, hard cut to another scene of skates going to meet Roach. Then it doesn't quite succeed because the final panel of this page suddenly jumps to the chief's office. At, yeah, at, at, that, that actually confused me. Yeah, and that's it, not good. It... There shouldn't there should be a caption there if you're not gonna be if it's not a page mm. change. I think, anyway, but, I mean, professional editor's opinion? Uh, I would have recommended a caption. I also would have made sure that you didn't carry over the coloring. The background color is yep, the exact same it. shade of orangey red as in the previous mm-hmm. panel, so well, it looks spotted. like the same didn't, scene. Didn't pick up on it, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, but apart from that, then, third page is, Skates, sometime later, has climbed the outside of the police precinct building and is trying to record the cops through the window with a little tape recorder. <laughs> Fourth page is Axel Blaze and Max interrogating, what's his name, Rizzo, which is straight out of some old movie. Um, uh, Greece, in fact. <laughs> and, uh, and then the last page is, is the, the cops driving skates off, you know, no captions anywhere in between mm-hmm. them. Each page, except for that one errant panel, is, uh, is boom, 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 a completely different scene. We go through five separate scenes yeah. in this five-page strip. This is not on the level of last issue. The artifice fell away briefly, and there was real stakes and drama and emotion Mm. happening it but Mm. then it feels like that was every ounce of sincerity in mark miller's (laughs) body squeezed into that one issue and now we've crossed some sort of event horizon and this this (laughs) third part is even more everything that streets of rage has been before chris do you think that when he was writing last issue that was him going into his eggshell and then for this issue he <laughs> exploded out with his new final mark miller form and here he is i mean this issue is so close to being it's it's like whenever we went back and discovered that hey these comics we read as kids were written by mark miller it was like i can see it but this one this is <laughs> Just Mark Miller. <laughs> yeah. So on the second to last page, we finally meet the cast of Streets of Rage series one, mm. and it I kind of honestly came as a surprise. I'd forgotten about them, and yeah. here they are going like we're ostensibly the heroes of this series, um, but they're not really getting much done. Well, they're interrogating this this bank cop. They are. <laughs> They don't find out what they want. They find out about a bomb they didn't know about. Yeah, well, remember back in a previous chapter, Mr. X is plotting to get all of those rich East Coast liberal elites together on a a cruise ship. (laughs) I don't remember that. I must have drifted off completely. Well, it happened. And then, yeah, Skates is essentially bound and gagged in the back of the cop car, being driven along by 
a cop who's grinning all over his face, holding the disc aloft. He literally crumbles it to dust in his own fist. And then we have this amazing drawing. Yeah, that's of... a great panel, isn't it? It's the coolest mm-hmm. thing ever. You've got these cars zooming off under a bridge, which is at a snazzy angle, and there's like city, and it's in the night, and there's lights on all the buildings. But it's all just done with a few deft swip swipe swips of a paintbrush. It's almost calligraphy. It's amazing. Yeah, it's all a bit Blade Runner, a bit yeah. Akira, a bit Frank Miller with the harsh yeah. bl- whites and blacks. Mm-hmm. Like it's a lovely book. And then that billboard over in the corner that says Coke, Coke is good. Is good. <laughs> <laughs> Not cola. Coke. Coke itself. Unless, unless it's supposed to be Loke. But I think it's meant to be Coke. <laughs> when I first read it, I almost thought it said Love is good. I'm like, okay, yeah. weird. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can see it actually. Yeah, I oh, know that you've said it. That's all I can see. Yeah, I know. Yeah, well, it's because uh, listeners, the uh, the the L, sorry, the C overlaps <laughs> the drawing of the coke bottle on which a babe is reclining, mm-hmm. and it says, and and so that extra bit of the C kind of is doesn't have the same outline as the rest, so it could just be coloured that way. But no, it, what it says is Coke is good. Yeah, Coke is good. It is good. Yeah, I do you know. I've not Sorry. had any in. God, uh, I'd love a what? Coke. I just, it's like some. I don't know what's come over me, but Coke's good. I can really <laughs> go for a Coke right about now. New Zone. New Zone. Oh, Dave. Dave. Hello. Hello there. It's another one of those New Zones. <laughs> Our favorite New Zone. Yeah, well, it's a bit half and half because about half of it is a bit more sports games <laughs> and then the other half is about stuff that never happened Ooh. we're gonna have to get like a jingle for stuff that never happened yeah oh i shall have to make one yeah it never happened this one was invented by a writer not this time it never happened so first page is just all about one article it's about um what codemasters have coming up they remind us about the j cards that we learned a few issues ago those are um, the ones where it's a tall codemasters cartridge of the sort i've described before but this time the tall bit incorporates two extra plug sockets for controllers to give you a four-player game experience. They told us about Tennis All-Stars when we learned about it first, but that's been renamed Pete Sampras Pete Tennis. Sampras they tennis. picked up a, a sponsorship name. deal. But that name is, to me, as is NBA Jam. That's one of the sport game names I know. Oh, well, see, that's to me is like uh, Joe Madden Madden 95 or whatever. Right, you know, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The American football games. Well, I, and well, and similarly, I don't know who Pete Sampras is. I only know, you know, as far as I'm concerned... a tennis player Obviously. <laughs> I assumed yeah. as much. But as far as I know, his name is Pete Sampras Tennis. Sampras is his middle name. <laughs> uh. <laughs> there's that and there's Micro Machines 2. That's the other J cart they mention here. Yeah, Mr. 2. Micro Machines 2. <laughs> please, please. Mr. Machines was my father. <laughs> Call me Micro. And uh, what are some of the other things they mention here? Um, global Golf. No, thanks. Psycho Pinball, okay. which did happen. This oh, one did okay. happen, but um, they have a picture of it here. Um, now, does that in any way look like a pinball game to you, Dave? I'm sorry, what am I even supposed to be looking exactly, at? Exactly, oh, right? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, no, that, I can see how it is one, because it says along the top, whale belly it's in along the, the top yeah, of a pinball yeah. game writing. But other than that... Okay, well, the caption reads, A table from Psycho Pinball in its entirety, not oh. how it's seen during play, we should add. And I was like, no, this makes no sense to me. So no. I went and found a video. Oh. This is a screenshot of a platforming bonus level that oh, takes place in the heck. midst of an actual... Yeah, because what we're looking at is... <laughs> 
a, basically a picture of inside the belly of the whale, picture mm. like in Pinocchio, yes. right? There are three rubber rings in the water of his belly forming platforms. There's a crab from the 16-bit version of Treasure Island Dizzy on one of them, <laughs> and or Bubble Dizzy. There's the bubbles from Bubble Dizzy. These are all Codemasters games, wouldn't be surprised, no. going up. And it says 10 mil, and there's something a bit like a bumper, but there are no flippers, there's no there's no pinball, there's nothing that can That little a- grey and orange yin-yang symbol in the middle there, that is the player character who is curled up in a ball mid-jump. Oh, flipping! Well, wait a minute. Why? I, so, okay, so I thought that was a. I thought that was a. Uh, a bumper. Uh, no, what, the, yeah, is, this is an incredibly awkward screenshot they have here. What on earth are we looking at? It's a bonus game in the midst of of the actual pinballing section where you jump from platform to platform, getting these crabs out of the bubbles. But as who? What's what? Who is the character when they're not curled up? I, I, I don't know. It, it looked like an armadillo. I don't know if that's what it was. Uh, I chose not and- to investigate any further. <laughs> And also, at a glance, and and every time I look at it, I think it's a Mystery Science Theatre screenshot. But it's not. That's just because there's a silhouette of, like, seabed detritus along the bottom. Do you know what I mean? It looks like little people. There's an anchor and stuff like that. And I guess it just looks like people out of the corner of my eye. Two other things mentioned here as well. Uh, Captain Havoc, which did happen. Yes, but it was called it. High Seas Havoc in America. Yes. Captain Havoc over here. That's an anthro platformer that is, uh, he's a seal, I believe, who is mm. also Oh, a I didn't, re- well, another one of the, uh, yep, the hot yep. topic of the time. Uh, and then another one called, um, formerly it was called Smartvark, yes. two A's, as in Aardvark, which was uh, in issue 21, they mentioned that. Here it's been renamed Arnie with, with two A's. <laughs> a, a, a nod to Schwarzenegger. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this did not happen. No, and the, the screenshot we've got here, I've described him as looking, Smartvark, I've described previously, as looking exactly like Otis the Aardvark off of CBBC. And that was yes. not necessarily from the screenshot in STC itself. I, there are screenshots to be found, bigger ones online but this we are looking at a beefed up arnie aardvark in this version so they've evidently gone for that they've just changed the sprite and the name and nothing else presumably i mean look it this is a game in its death throes maybe someone said like make it a bit more like arnold schwarzenegger and we'll give you some funding and they did and they didn't (laughs) (laughs) maybe it makes perfect sense i mean it was the zeitgeist heck we just read sonic the terminator part four do you know it never occurred to me until this podcast how basic the name the sonic terminator is because you know as a kid i read it as the thing that will Terminate, Terminate Sonic, Sonic. Yeah. but now I read it as the Sonic version of Terminator. <laughs> yeah, the Sonic Terminator, not the Terminator. Yeah, it's the Sonic Terminator. <laughs> I was all set to roll my eyes into the back of my head when I went over to the next page and saw that it was another sports thing, but it's at least yeah. something a little bit different. Where uh, EA have have started the EA Sports Tournament Club. Yeah, where uh, people can actually—I mean, it's a real club where you have to pay annual membership fees yep. and everything, and then you can compete on uh, on EA's sports games in tournaments to win prizes and trophies totaling two thousand pounds awarded for each category. Yeah, it honestly sounds pretty cool to me. Like the and, and the overall two thousand five hundred pounds if you yeah. win the whole tournament. This to me, uh, the way it's described here, it, it sort of implies it would have like you know scout halls dotted about mm, the place, and you that's would, yeah the mentality, you know, yeah. and you would go there and you would just play Mega Drive games against each other, and like if only they weren't all sports ones. Exactly what I was going to say. The only downside <laughs> that sounds like an absolutely not only a brilliant way to spend an evening as a kid, but like genuinely like a good thing to exist in the world yeah. for nineteen ninety four, and I dare say twenty twenty equivalent of a biker grove style youth club or something 
you know, show up, have a have some games tournament. That, that the, sounds absolutely brilliant. Uh, this is a this is a podcast from the UK, but you gotta temper these references <laughs> a bit for the guests. I'm sorry, David. Biker Grove. A children's television series set in a youth club where what that means is there's a building everything happens in that all the kids are in. Sure. The rec centre. Yeah. They'll translate. (laughs) (laughs) But, as far as I can tell, I haven't found any historical evidence that this tournament took place. Oh, I never got so far as to look up to see if this one happened. I, d- I just assumed this went ahead. You think this didn't happen? If you type... It, well, look, it might have happened under a different name. If you type, in quotes, EA Sports Tournament Club, the only hit is about Sonic the Comic. Oh, well. It, it, maybe it went ahead under a different name. For all I know, you know, it might have turned into something that's still on now and we've all heard of. But it may not have happened whatsoever. Oh, and we're not done yet because there's more here still that never happened. <laughs> not this time. It never happened. It never happened. No way. We got you. Not a chance. Yeah. Uh, next box: Tales of Discworld and more. It's a little. Uh, it's about. Is this? Is this? In, yeah. This entire box is about what Psygnosis have That's coming right. up. Yep. Um, which is uh, Discworld, based on the Terry Pratchett um, novels, for the um, for the Mega, Mega CD, CD, which Good did game. not happen. Didn't this, the, what? the game? No, that the game happened, but not for several more years, and it wasn't on the Mega CD. Really? Hmm. Yeah. So I read. Same deal for. I love this one. I remember the name Second Samurai as a video game, but whenever you read the sentence Second Samurai, the sequel to the legendary <laughs> First Samurai, you assume they're taking the piss. I know. Yeah. <laughs> But they're not. There was a game called First Samurai, and this was the sequel just, to it. They didn't just call it Samurai. Samurai. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this was going to be for the Mega Drive and the Mega CD, and it did happen, but it didn't happen on the Mega CD. Doesn't this sound like a, a dev who are really hoping they get as far as Seventh Samurai? <laughs> Although I have to say, the thing that really jumped out at me here, I'll just read it you. Okay. History buffs will recall that First Samurai, though critically acclaimed, sunk without trace after publisher Mirrorsoft uh. plunged into the depths of oblivion following the death of evil media mogul <laughs> Robert Maxwell nearly three years ago. I loved that when I read this. The, just the fact that they're able to say... Evil. Evil. Mm-hmm. That was my thing. Like Robert Maxwell owned the corporation that um, that owned uh, the Mirror newspaper and all yeah. the many other uh, news under that banner, which still exists today. Yeah. Um. But but he died, and then posthumously they they found all kinds of financial irregularities. And the fact that so soon afterwards, in a kids' magazine, that they would refer to him as an evil media mogul, like that's if um, Rupert Murdoch kicked it, and and the Beano talked about the death of the evil media mogul Rupert Murdoch. Yeah, that's exactly what it's like. It's just, it's really interesting to see. (laughs) Oh, and just, just, and then over in the shirt purse, I looked this one up just to see what it was. But fans of Sega's playable blaster Subterranea should be pleased to hear the German team behind it are working on a new fun-sounding action game. Uh, No title at the time, but it wound up being called Red Zone. Oh, well Hmm. done. I didn't know how to look that up. I've heard of Red Zone, I think. Yeah. Apparently, I read it featured um, many features that were non-standard in in, in games at the time, like technological advancements that were not standard in uh, in, uh, 
Did it say what any of them were? Uh, You know, it was all a bit over my tiny head. (laughs) (laughs) And hey, guess what? One more for the road. Ocean is going to be bringing Mr. Nuts to Uh. the Mega Drive. They did. And then the, the article ends. Incidentally, between you and us, work on a sequel has already begun. It would not come to the Mega Drive. <laughs> Just Just Alright, well at the top, uh, this is a double page of adverts. Um, yeah. The left hand side divided in two and the top half is what? yet another of those Sabutio adverts. With a... oh, these would be pretty common. I, I remember a lot of these. Yeah. The, uh, the silly quote this time is Vinnie Jones saying, I don't know what all the fuss is about. I wasn't even booked. Um, I didn't really get that one. I feel like some context. Did he, did he do something violent? Like yeah, he was... he, uh, like, yeah. That's that one doesn't work without context. Mm. The way so many of these other ones do. Yeah, because if he did something, if he let's say he just kicked the head off a penguin right there on the pitch, and then somebody <laughs> said, "Why did you kick a head off a penguin?" In, in the interview after, he said, "Well, I don't know what all the fuss about. I wasn't even booked." And then it's, it becomes quite a good joke then. Um, but yeah, uh, that's a, that's not a great one. But the advert is for a referee and linesman for Sabutio, the football flicking. The, the game where you flick the little figures and they hit the footballs and the footballs go in the goals. What are referees and linesmen used for in a game oh, of Sabutio? Look, Dave, it's Dungeons and Dragons for football nerds, okay? They just <laughs> march the little figures in and go... <laughs> and then that's how it works, because I believe that's how Dungeons and Dragons works, too. That's how Dungeons yeah. and Dragons works, yes. I, my question really is, why are they pictured here with the hemispherical bases on that allow you to flick them. At no point are you needing to flick the referee. I don't know. If there are any Sabutio experts out there, is it Sabutio or Sabutio? Answer that one for me first. Then we'll take on any other comments you may have. stctpodcast at gmail.com That to me sounds as if you found the football fan's version of, you know, when you ask a robot a question so impossible that it just short circuits and switches (laughs) off. It's a logical paradox. (laughs) And then the bottom half of that page is the subscription form. And uh, so that leaves us only with the facing page, a full page advert and an unlikely one. Yes, I I thought so. The Bridge of Surprises. This is for the the Tower Bridge in London. The... the Specifically, it's for the 100th anniversary um, exhibition. But I've never been to Tower Bridge, so I don't know if... It's different to how it always is inside or not. Because I know you, you can't always go in and see the, the steam engines and everything. I, I have no idea. I've never been near the place. Um, and uh, the, the main thing I was interested in here... So it, so it tells you various things that's going on. There's something for everyone inside the most famous bridge in the world. <laughs> really trying the hardest to make it interesting to go to or in a bridge. <laughs> but yeah. it, it ain't really striking me yet. Did you know, it says, and there's a... <laughs> of what has got to be like a ghost's face. There's a, it looks like it, doesn't it? A surprised man with like a beard and sort of old-fashioned monk hair, like, you know, just at the sides of his head and bald on top, which is, of course, a way of having hair just as an old man, but it's something about it looks old-fashioned <laughs> to me. I was going to say, yeah. I think he's fluffed it up specially to make it stick out a little bit, and, but he's and a big moustache and he's looking surprised. And I'm sure that is a face that's being, you know, projected onto a mannequin head, right? Oh, I think you're probably overreaching, I would have said, a flat screen. Possibly a flat screen, but what I'm thinking of is that at the time, we went to a Robin Hood thing in Nottingham, and there was a bit where the Sheriff of Nottingham was standing on a bridge, shouting down at everybody and going like, I'm being an evil Sheriff of Nottingham. And it was a mannequin with just a blank face onto which they projected 
grainy, juddery footage of an actor looking like this. <laughs> and it was the eeriest thing I've ever seen. I, I don't know, I suspect that might be what it is. See, the impression I was getting is that this was a ghost from a hundred years ago. Uh, relating. Yes. Uh, uh, this. You know, he's probably one of the labourers who died building the bridge. Yeah. Uh, telling the story of how, of how that happened. Because he's blue as well, that's important. Yeah, that's because he's blue and ghostly looking. And the, yeah. and the did you know on him is, Tower Bridge was started in 1886. It took eight years to complete and over 400 labourers were employed in the building. So yeah, there's a, that's a picture of a labourer. Probably. <laughs> Meet Harry dot 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 a robotic guy. That is the bit that caught my eye the most and the bit that I looked up on YouTube and it's impossible to find any details about it because if you put Tower Bridge Tell me about it. uh, Yeah, I did exactly the same. And if you put Harry all that happens is Harry Potter, Harry Potter, Harry Potter. Potter, Does Harry Potter ever go to Tower Bridge or is that just the only Harry Americans know about? And fill the internet up with. <laughs> we know about Prince Harry. That's a second <laughs> I was one. Say, surely the Prince. So yeah, that's number two. And I, I should have said British Harry. Harry Styles. There's yeah. another one. Wow, we're teaming with Harrys. <laughs> Harry. It's just that Harry Potter's. I can't. Hell? I can't remember a bit. <laughs> Maybe there is one, but I can't remember a Tower Bridge bit in Harry Potter. So it surprised me that there was so much of a of a presence for Harry and Tower Bridge. Don't know, yeah. don't remember myself. Maybe there is. So I haven't been able to find the robot Harry, but this might be him. There's a picture of a sort of a man in a, that's, yeah. a man in a flat cap up up one of those um, window cleaners winch type seat things, and he looks like a robot to me. His arms too long, so that's going to move. I thought so. Yeah. Lots of quote marks interactive end quote marks things yeah. to do. Yeah. Is that the Jack Kirby style where you use quote marks for emphasis? or uh... I think, it, you know, you can look at the ghost. You can look at Harry. Don't touch it! <laughs> and then the final picture. I mean, what is it even? What is that? Uh, it's like there's an arch that people are looking through. There's probably a pane of glass separating them from it. And it's like... It's just like cardboard cutouts of Britain's stuff. <laughs> Britain's stuff. <laughs> yeah, like how else would you describe it? There's like... There's men in top hats and flat caps. One of them's hanging off a Mary Poppins-style lamppost. There's Union Jacks flying everywhere. There's St. Paul's Cathedral. There's Queen Victoria. Is that Queen Victoria? I don't, I'm going to stop you. I don't, I don't care. David, I don't suppose you've ever been to Tower Bridge. I have not. <laughs> have you ever visited London? I have visited London. There we go, you see. I haven't really. I have been fully once. I was around nine, I think. And we went for a Buffy the Vampire Slayer convention that my folks were invited to. Oh. Uh-huh. My dad wrote various Buffy and Angel tie-in novels. Oh. And okay. uh, both of my parents collaborated with our friend Nancy Holder and did the Watcher's Guides, which were like the episode guides oh. for the series. So, Oh, that's a good name <laughs> for them. Watchers. I get I, it. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> Sonic's World. Part 2, A Tale of Tales. Written by Nigel Kitching, with art by Mike Hadley, and colours by John M. Burns, and letters by Ellie DeVille. The Kintibor computer recounts how, following the first victory over Robotnik, exposure to the Chaos Emeralds transformed Sonic into Super Sonic for the first time. By the time he returned to normal, Sonic's rampage had taken him to the Swampland Zone. It was there that he met Tails for the first time, pulling the fox out of the swamp he'd fallen into, who then joined Sonic in taking Robotnik down for the second time when the evil genius threatened Mobius with his death egg. 
now you know what the Kintabor computer is and everything, right? We've, yeah. We've, yes, we've we've had episodes about this come out by this point as well. This is a bit, yeah. This this could be a bit random to be dropped into. <laughs> no, I figured it out. You got Doctor Ovi Kintabor, now a computer, no longer himself, because himself's evil, and he's explaining the history of Sonic's world. So yeah, this one spans from Sonic One to Sonic Two. This is the one thing I had been waiting for STC or anyone to cover up till this point. It had been a long time I'd been a Sonic fan, and I'd never heard any mention of how Sonic and Tails meet, even though it's a conspicuous change to the Mm. series. Sonic is by himself, and then he has a best friend in the whole wide world who is never away from his side, and like, why? How did that happen? It's in the Japanese manual, but it's not in the English language manual? No, they never... Well, there might be some mention of, like, a twin fox called Tails joined Sonic or something like that. Like, I don't... I mean, even in the Japanese one, is there an actual, like, story of... He crashes his plane or something, doesn't he? Really? Yeah, oh. something, something, something like that. I thought you were going to say this the first supersonic transformation, but obviously the Tails thing is probably more important, isn't it? <laughs> it's more important, and I disagree with this being the first. I, I always thought that um, the first Sonic supersonic transformation should happen towards the culmination of Sonic 2. Nah. You know, if we, were, if we were knocking this out as a story, that's where I would dramatically want it to happen. Fair enough, but I don't care. <laughs> no, no, I like. It. I mean, this because it's not just it's not just to show us the first time Sonic ever transformed into Super Sonic. Um, it's to you know show what happened to the Chaos Emeralds in between Sonic One and Two. I mean, I don't know what it is in the games. Like the games seem to have an incredibly indistinct lore surrounding the Chaos Emeralds pre pre-adventure like maybe the emeralds are the same are not the same group of emeralds as seen in uh, in sonic one or something like that obviously there's one there's one more of them but the sonic 2 emeralds might not be the same as the sonic one emeralds in japanese original game lore but what we have here is um is as we uh, as we were told last issue when the emeralds are brought together and they interact with one another and destabilize we find out that the energy they release causes like a little reality warp that uh, sends them to the special zone which is how they wound up back there for Sonic to go and find them mm. all again in Sonic 2. And uh, it was the exposure to this first of energy as they warped away that transformed Sonic the first time. <laughs> Do you notice the emeralds are all still being coloured green here whenever last issue established they should have changed colour by now. Ugh. I've got a bit of cake in my throat. Hang okay, on, you clear on. that cake. <laughs> Sorry about that, that was an ill-judged cake all round. I do uh, quite like how Hadley has drawn supersonic here like it's mm-hmm. no elson no, but no. um i love that he's burning with fire and lightning yeah that's how i always i think that's how he ends up isn't it supersonic i always picture him as being essentially made of fire in yeah some way. yeah uh elson def i mean elson pushes the design further and further the more often it appears mm. but um like uh when he first shows up in the first the first supersonic issue like it's not even the original well it, to be fair uh, he's just drawn the same Hadley's drawn the same here it's just yellow sonic he doesn't have the unique curving spines design or anything mm. but he was crackling with lightning and he he was he burst out of fire in that that's because right. that's right there yeah. was fire in the air so i don't you know maybe hadley just um just Drew from that, yeah. um, or, or 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 maybe the script directed him to surround him with fire and lightning. But ah, it's cool anyway. Mm-hmm. It's real cool. I'm not quite sure what's going on on the next page as it fades away. And there's yeah, this strange. The something's happened with the paint that's made it a very solid line that I don't think would have been a 
Yeah, it's... That's not the choice he's made anywhere else. No, it's supposed to be a gradient of the spike fading from yellow to blue, but for some reason it's just a hard cut instead. Hmm. Yes, it's odd. I don't know what happened. I can't even like you know imagine what happened to, to make that happen. No, when it's a weird one. We, we can see what his artistic choice is, and then something has stopped it. <laughs> but I don't know what. I admire how dedicated to continuity this book is, because <laughs> Porker here has his little trotters, not his fingers... And if uh, this yeah. is a prequel, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it'll never entirely no, make correct, sense yeah. how he gets his fingers, but, you know. <laughs> we yeah. speculated last issue that they might be, like, uh, robotic gauntlets <laughs> over the top of his tree, yeah. over the top of his trotters, but that's so. why we need to see them without the gloves on to know for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sticking with that. I don't think we're going to see him without the gloves on. I think they're robot hands. It does never sound wrong, it. doesn't it? Imagining a Sonic <laughs> character without their gloves on. Certainly Porker with his all of his pink fleshy wobbliness. <laughs> Do you remember that last issue? How naked he looked. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's quite shiny here. Yeah, but he doesn't look... Well, no, that first panel on page two. Pretty naked. It's the second one to me. It's how shiny and glistening he is. Mm-hmm. That is a nude pig. That's a nude-ass boy. <laughs> that, but frankly, you, what you've used there is the word ass to solve the problem I was having, which was that I was trying to steer away from saying, that's a nude boy. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't think I managed to swerve away from at the last minute by saying pig. <laughs> Yeah, see, because what I clearly said was B-O-I, whereas if you'd exactly. said it, it would have sounded like B-O-Y. <laughs> <laughs> so if you had waited so long to see the story of how Sonic and mm. Tails met, how'd this go over for you? Yeah, fairly neutral. I've never been very excited about it, other than the fact that it is that story. Yeah, it's just that Tails is in trouble, and Sonic pulls him out of a river, and he goes, I'm Tails, and that's it. Um, but I did appreciate, I liked the, um, I, th- I suppose I don't really like this as much now, but as a kid I liked how handy it is that he, having exploded out of the base as Supersonic, the first time he lands and turns back into Sonic, it is where Tails happens to be. He's just flying around and Sonic happens to crash where Tails is. At the time that struck me as a neat little bow tied in the narrative, but now it's it's a bit handy, isn't it? I mean, it would always have been... That Sonic just happened to be wherever he was anyway. If you know what I mean. Very philosophical of you. <laughs> you see that little... Um, we've seen this inconsistency from Hadley before where Tails has two distinct eyes in his first panel and then yeah. they, they fuse mm-hmm. into a monogoggle in his uh, in the subsequent panels. Yeah. A monogoggle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Must just be how Mike Hadley likes drawing, I guess. Because he seems equally at home with both. The, yeah, uh, yeah, neither one looks wrong. You know? No, the monogoggle version just looks like cartoon eyes, doesn't it, rather than him Well, I mean boobity boop boop boobity boop tails his eyelid watch, they're orange here, so they're not they're not <laughs> boop, the same boop. white as his muzzle, and that seems correct to me. That's yes. Yeah. And then the last page is basically an adaptation of Sonic Two, all all crunched together into a single page. You've same got... way last issue, last page was Sonic One, this is is Sonic Two. Yep, and so it's mostly a big picture of the robotic armour from the end of the game. Although not looking exactly like it. No, it's uh it's you you know you can tell that's what it is yeah definitely but but it's basically it's drawn in a three quarters view that's the problem isn't it so Hadley had to make yeah, some stuff be. up didn't he <laughs> must be must be of course you notice the uh, most obvious error here <laughs> go on oh I was testing you that's not the death egg that's his special zone fortress Chris I do you know what 
I half noticed that. I noticed <laughs> that. Well, I was going like, oh, they they still don't know what the Death Egg looks like, so they've drawn the STC version of the Death Egg. But yeah, with those little orbiting eggs, that's his fortress. Yeah, it's spe- and it's in the special zone, you see. It's mm-hmm. yeah. It's they clearly didn't quite know what was going on with the Death Egg at this point. They knew there was a thing called that. They didn't know what it looked like yet. Well, there is no external view of the Death Egg in Sonic, in Sonic 2. 2. It's only if you, yeah. what, do the level select cheat, isn't it? And it appears in the yeah. in the thumbnail. And then the end, speaking of continuity, just the end of this mm. just dovetails directly into um, the earlier chapters of the Sonic Terminator. Brings the whole thing around. Kentabor tells us that Sonic got the Emeralds back and kept them in the North Cave in the Frozen Zone, where they've remained ever since. And then STC's love affair with the footnote <laughs> ruins the ending. <laughs> well, not until recently, that is. But that's another story. CSTC 25, Megadroid. <laughs> no, it's like, it's supposed to be a nice little trail off, but that's another story. More secrets of Sonic's were, no, it's an STC 25. I have to tell them. No, let me go. I have to tell them it was an STC 25. <laughs> Doesn't it make you think this was supposed to come out before that story? Uh, I don't know. There's so much prelay for the third part of the Sonic Terminator that... Yes, you're right. To have that so much further before that would have fallen in the comic feels a bit wrong. Hmm. But the way that it... I I, I don't know. Maybe a bit, but I like the way it loops around anyway. makes it a bit full circle for me. Yeah, it's nice. And had they continued the trade books... This w- it would have been nice to start with Sonic's World and then have the Sonic Terminator series, and there's your book. That yeah, would've that would nice. Hello, Editor Dave here with my special guest. It's me, Chris! I'm here as well! Yeah, we had to go back and record a quick drop-in here for Sonic's World because um, we discovered a rather interesting fact. This was brought to our attention by uh, Jolene, one of our listeners, one of our boomers, uh, Lesbianautica on Twitter, who um, pointed out to us that the whole concept of the North Cave, not the Frozen Zone, the Frozen Zone is an invention of Kitchings, but the North Cave as the hiding place of the Chaos Emeralds comes from the European manual for Sonic Chaos. I I had no idea about this at all, but yeah, apparently that's where the Emeralds are being kept and Robotnik manages to snaffle one of them. And, uh, and it's Flicky who reports that they've gone missing from the oh. North Cave. Oh, wow, that is some deep-cut lore stuff from all directions then. So STC's referencing Sonic Chaos, Sonic Chaos is referencing Flicky. That's lovely. I like that. And also, while that's from the European manual, the American manual is the source of the idea that the Chaos Emeralds can become destabilized and... Oh. Warp away. The the line from the American manual is, The evil doctor had already snatched the red Chaos Emerald, causing the other emeralds to lose balance and fly into a parallel universe. So this idea that Sonic's world is introduced of the emeralds interacting with one another and becoming unstable and warping back to the special zone comes from that. Who knew? Who knew? So David... We know that you've been following along with the story of, of Sonic the Comics, so you're versed enough in what's going on. But but for a strip that's just a sort of headlong dunk into the uh, into the lore of Sonic the Comic, how does this one go over with you? 
you know, I thought it was pretty good. I really liked how Sonic was not super concerned with the fact that Tails' friend had died. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Sonic, Sonic sees the two Tails and he, he reckons there's two foxes and he's saved one. And he goes, ah, looks like it's too late for you, buddy. I mean, that's not how I'd vocalize the line. <laughs> <laughs> it does start with an uh-oh, so yeah. I think the thing that has really stood out to me reading Sonic the Comic with you guys here is there is such an efficiency of storytelling. Like, yeah. so much is condensed in these five pages. The first Super Sonic, the origin of Tails, bunch of background info about the Chaos Emeralds, and it all, you know, makes sense and flows smoothly. Heck, there's an entire game adaptation on a single page. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, that is the most efficient you can do a comic book. <laughs> it is. That is the end of Sonic's world. It's only three parts long, and suddenly it's uh, it's over. And that's the last time it was ever an encyclopedia piece. Yeah, I love that, and I missed that, and yeah. um, and it never. Well, we've said it already, haven't you? Who knows how much of it survived to the final edit of the previous install installments talking about this? But uh, yeah, it would never be this again, and it would never truly mm. live up to its full potential as as a as what they turned it into as being. Um, a second strip about the world of Mobius and the other characters who lived there before eventually just giving up on that premise and turning it into a second Sonic strip. Yeah. I mean, Sonic the comic was never something that was very lore heavy, but um, what these three strips are speak so much to the identity of Sonic the comic in our memory as the piece of Sonic media that actually was the games, you know, that we've talked about so many times before is that the games happened as they were in the games in the comics and and nothing else did that yeah simultaneously to your point chris i mean that's probably why it has such a change going forward which is at the end of this you're caught up to where the yep. series starts yeah spot the difference boring boy cool kid we've got side by side we have these two kids the boring boy in a suit, holding some flowers, very boring, and a chess set. Doesn't have any chess pieces, it just says chess on it. But the cool kid, sideways baseball cap, bomber jacket, trainers. No socks though, that's how I know oh, he's no. a bad person. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And he's carrying. What is it? What's the what's the difference between a boring boy and a cool kid? What is the this? coolest thing you could possibly what's the imagine, coolest thing? imagine in 1994? Imagine, listeners. Put put your minds to work on this. So you got a boring boy, you got a cool kid. The thing the kid is the cool kid is holding has a hand pointing to it that says clue. It's got arrows saying hint, clue. What item is the coolest item that could transform you into a cool kid? Dave it is a VHS copy of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. <laughs> Three. The one that was known then as now as being the, the worst, worst one. one. The one that Oof. even fans didn't like. The one that I at no point procured on video. Do you know what my... I, I remember seeing that film in the cinema. And Same. I, why was crying never in a film? <laughs> That's all I got. That's all I got. Yeah. Why was crying never in a film? I know. It was, it's that just was just what I felt like that movie should have done. Why not? And that? I don't know. There might have been some kind of licensing thing with Fred Wolf, a rights no, thing, because obviously they didn't put Bebop and Rocksteady in the second one. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, but they could have put an Utrom in, couldn't they? Yeah, well, I mean, there's that rumor that that was originally part of the plan for Turtles 2. 
that um, yeah. that David Warner's character was an Utron secretly. But I don't really. Know how, I don't know how much I I've heard that. But, yeah. Okay. But I don't know that there's any actual evidence to back okay. it up. <laughs> That's interesting. So anyway, this I think is one of the most brazen pieces of advertising that's ever been created. Um, I think that's one of the most brazen statements that we've had on this podcast. No, I'm going to stand by it because it's it's like a parody of an advert. If the uh, nothing about this advert needs it to be an advert for Ninja Turtles three, it's no, literally you're, just you're saying right there. you are either bad or good, and to be good, buy this product. It doesn't matter what the product is. In this case, it's the VHS of Turtles 3. They could have just used this same advert again for some other video. In they could have, you know. I bet, you know what? I bet they did. <laughs> Maybe not in this comic, but somewhere else. I bet this was a template. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. Whoever it is that's been given the job of coming up with an advert for Turtles 3, they haven't. They don't know what Turtles 3 is. <laughs> they just don't know. I mean, if you look... It's not actually anywhere on the ad except the image on the front of the video in his hands. I mean, I don't, I'm not struck so much by this, to be honest, because there's a deep <laughs> cultural memory at work, which is that the yeah. boring boy is just Walter the Softy. That is Walter the Softy, yep. If you that's don't want to from be the Beano kids. That's from the Beano. Yeah. It's from Dennis the Menace. Our Dennis the Menace. The good Dennis the Menace. <laughs> <laughs> not that Archie Dennis the Menace. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's out now anyway on video. Only eight ninety nine RRP available to buy at Woolworths, W H Smith, John Menzies, HMV, Our Price Boots, Virgin Megastores. I didn't realize we had those already. Blockbuster Video. I didn't realize we had those here. Tower Records Titles. Never heard of it. And what? all good video stockists. Do you get like a dopamine rush when you read out the names of shops that don't exist anymore on this podcast? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Electronics Boutique. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. <laughs> Can't think of any others. <laughs> no, because they were mostly in that list. Yeah, <laughs> we've covered them all now. I was going to ask, David, if you saw Turtles 3 in the cinema, but then I remember. Yep, no. Nope. <laughs> have you ever seen Turtles 3? Uh, I have not seen Turtles 3. I have seen Turtles 1. Good, okay. That's all. Great. Now you're done. You finished there. I'll stick to my Turtles comics for the most part. Yeah. Mm. Oh, they're so good. Yeah, they are. <laughs> Q-Zone. Q-Zone. Q-Zone exists. Yeah, these are getting harder to talk about, aren't they? Yeah. Tips for games nobody's got anymore. There's one yeah. for Greatest Heavyweights, which is a boring-looking boxing game. The one I talked about that was just standing still and punching from yeah. the side. Gods, we... Yeah, I'm just, it's just, I'm just reading out names again. Asterix, <laughs> Mean Bean Machine, Sylphie. I did like this closing one on Greatest Heavyweights. Do not press reset in the middle of a bout, believing that your game will be saved. <laughs> Unfortunately, I made that mistake, and when I returned, I found that it had saved, but I had lost the previous fight. I assume he means he didn't, like, lose, as in win or lose. He means he'd lost the save. It, it was got that, It hadn't yes. saved that, right, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I like that, because that's very human and genuine. It's like, he yeah. fucked up, and he's telling you how not to repeat his mistakes. Yeah. I like it. It's it's I genuine, like turn your console yeah. on type instruction. It's almost as if it was like, yeah, point four on the list of instructions is like, oh, wait, hang on. Oh, I've gone wrong. Wait a minute. Now I've got to reset. <laughs> yeah. descri- Sylphid proved to be somewhat of a disappointment when it was released, mm. partly due to the fact it was hyped to the hilt as Sega's mm. answer to Starwing, and then revealed itself to be just another Space Invader clone. That doesn't seem fair. A space invader clone? 
I don't know, I never played it. Perhaps it was. But it's three dimensions. I know, it? but it depends what you do with them, isn't it? <laughs> That's what she says. Wonder Boy in Ghost World Part 6. Written by Mark Isles. Art by Boyan Dukach. Letters by Elita Fell. With the potion of ignorance clouding the dinosaur king's mind, Shion uses a magic box to summon a genie who casts a spell to convince the king he is the human's friend. And what a great sentence that is. I know. The, I was looking forward to seeing how you were going to try and sum up what happens in this episode <laughs> of Wonderboy. Because it's just a load of bibbly-bobbly things. With the magic jar that controls the stepping stones back to Monster World in hand, Shion and the others are carried to the stones by the king. But as they begin ascending, the magic wears off and the king angrily gives chase. Wordsmith clears the steep clouds using a bottled hurricane stolen from the king's magic arsenal, allowing the team to make it back to Monster World, where Shion destroys the magic jar causing the stones to vanish, sending the king tumbling out of sight. Whew. I know, right? There's a lot of stuff that just kind of comes in here, like Wordsmith just happily hand... It's the same way they found just happily that, that wand that turned stone to flesh last issue. Oh, yeah! He also finds a bottled hurricane just among the, the magical artifacts on yeah. the king's... They're desk? Just, Does he have a desk? I, I think so, yeah. They're just finding stuff. It's always yeah. like... I mean, it's all in the same place, but... Uh, yeah, but yeah. like every panel of this issue's Wonderboy, almost, introduces some new concept. Yeah. I mean, presumably this magic box is something they got from the trader, same place they got the potion of ignorance, but you don't know. It could be... It could be like, there does seem to be a box on the on the desk in the first panel. I was going to ask you this, because, yeah, because he says, all right, the Potion of Ignorance is finally working on the king. Now to try out this magic box. And As I'm... if it had been mentioned before. <laughs> so it hasn't. I haven't just no, forgotten that no. it was in last issue. This is a... You read a lot of comics like this, David? <laughs> uh, no. No, I haven't. But it was it was immensely enjoyable. You know? Yeah, it's just yeah. There's something new every couple of panels. There's a ghost dinosaur king who gets tricked into being nice by scantily clad genie girl. Yeah. Yeah, sure. What I love about that concept is that they kind of, it's a, it's a little bit of overkill. First of all, they make him forget what's going on with yeah. one thing. And then this issue, they make him magically think he's their friend. And two pages later, the potion of ignorance starts to wear off. And yeah, he goes I like, love I this remember bit, now. yeah. You've tricked me, and you go, oh no, it's wearing off, but it's alright, because the thing where they're friends is still there. So he's like, haha, very good <laughs> trick from my best friends. And then four panels later, that wears off, and it's, yeah. Yeah, there's so it's much going on. staggered approach to the spell wearing off. It's such, it's such a complicated, I mean, that's too much. Like, surely you would suggest, wouldn't, David, wouldn't you suggest to this writer, how about one spell that wears off? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you just, you don't make it a potion of ignorance, you make it a potion of friendship in the first place or whatever, and that's yeah. one thing to just go through, but... I like the genie in this, though. She's not au fait with the whole, re the tone of the story. She She's wandered in from somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Genie, persuade the king that he's our friend and servant. And then she's all, Your wish is my command, O oh Wonder Boy. And then she's <laughs> like, By the magic powers of the Genie Guild, love, cherish, and obey and serve these who are now your friends or else. Right, he's your friend now, but it won't last long. <laughs> I am crashing out for the next five years minimum. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. And also, this is the one time in the whole two series of Wonder Boy I genuinely thought that. My name is Shion, was funny. Because 
this is a genie coming from another realm. And she's yes. like, all right, Wonder Boy. Like, no! <laughs> if, you, if you know my name at all, you should know it. <laughs> so, no, when we got to the end here, I, I had a... So, he yeah. destroys the jar and the stones start disappearing. So, they start falling out from under the king and the king's tumbling away. And then, so Shion ends the story by going, With the dinosaur king gone, I don't think the Skyrock Mountains or Monster World will be troubled by Ghost World dinosaurs again. And I was like, are you saying he fell to his death? Because he's a ghost already. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, I think it just means that he can't get up the stairs anymore. No, I tell you what I think what it actually means is he's yeah. fallen into the void between worlds and drifted off into oblivion. Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. Because he could cause some shit if he was just fell back to ghost world. He could just do something else again. But we have, we already introduced the idea that, yeah, the Skyrock Mountains are out here at the void at the end of the world. Oh yeah, and Shion fell into the into the into the void, and Lukai rescued him in the in the first part, second part, whatever, early on. Yes, how? Hmm. And it does sound like they're setting up another Wonder Boy at the end here too, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm a bit this... worried about the part the Wailing Sisters of Witchery World played in all this wonderful name. Still, by the way. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, it's like it's like maybe somewhere down the line they might have been talking about Wonder Boy in Witchery World, but it never happened. This is the last we would see of Wonder Boy. Oh well, that's a shame now, isn't it? It is honestly. I can't believe this is over so quickly. It feels yeah. like it really flew by this whole six parter. Um, yeah, and this this is a pretty decent ending too. Uh, it's I mean the first three parts are still better than the last three parts. The first half mm -hmm. is more fun than the back half, but. Um, no, this 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 last chapter was better than the two that came before it, which was just sort of tootling around in Ghost World a bit. Yeah, and as I say, I like the genie for the whole deadpan sort of wandered in from somewhere else approach. And did you see as well in his in his signature on the first page that Bojan Jukac dedicated this to yes. Windsor McKay? Mm -hmm. Yes, <laughs> I was gonna say it has a very sort of Little Nemo quality to it. To be honest, the Nemo thing didn't really register with me. I was thinking more uh, Gertie the dinosaur. Oh, because there's dinosaurs in it. <laughs> it's so completely different from the first Wonder Boy strip, and leaps and bounds better because it's not mm. trying to force itself into some other yeah. other mold you know it's not trying to take the cutesy monster world trappings of the game and warp them into that demon world this is doing completely its own thing with its own tone and its own characters and shion's just there being a little bit annoyed throughout the whole thing mark Isles's sense of humor came into focus with this one i think whereas before mm -hmm. it was kind of struggling against the trappings of not just wonder boy but also uh, the first golden axe as well it yeah. got a little better in the second golden axe in fact um yeah basically both of mark Isles's second go-rounds were much better mm -hmm. than his first go-rounds with uh, with the first strips yeah and uh, we will get more mark Isles on on uh, some other strips. In fact, he's the writer of the Tales strip that starts next issue. Um, ah. But uh, Wonder Boy and Golden Axe are no longer for this world. Mm. And to be honest, I, I couldn't have imagined however many issues ago saying sadly, there's no more Wonder Boy, but I wind up really enjoying this one. Yeah, it is sad. I, I wish there was more. <laughs> And, uh, Dave, we go out on a... It's a lovely little final panel where Shion's yeah. looking down and seeing the king fall. And uh, we uh, we go out on Wordsmith, another of Wordsmith's poems. And you give us such a beautiful recital <laughs> of Wordsmith's last poem. Lukart says, Never mind the Wailing Sisters of Witchery World. We've got enough problems with Wordsmith's poetry. We fought the ghostly dinosaurs. 
who mostly had very big claws, though some didn't. <laughs> it's an abstract rhyme scheme. <laughs> it's a lovely final penalty with all the, the rainbow light coming out of Lugart's lighthouse behind the That's mirror. it, it's just blasting mm. out again. What a lovely little success story that turned out to be. This one turned out good. Who'd have thunk it? Speedlines. Top of the tots, dear STC, says Daniel Modest of Finsbury Park, London. My friend and I did a survey in our school and discovered that 90% of children read STC. What do you think of that then? That's a lot of children. That's How gen- many did they ask? Genuinely quite exciting. Well, yes, did they, yes. Yeah. Did this guy just ask his Sonic fan friends? Or did he genuinely survey the whole playground? And I don't know. I feel like I feel like you would make a, a cursory attempt. It puts me in mind of the time when uh, me and my friend uh, decided to do a cartoon character hunt around the school where we drew the little squelchy thingies from out of the Beano, from out of uh, Calamity James, and we hid yeah. them around the the uh, the whole school in different hidey places. And then whoever could find either them all or the most won a prize. And the person who won a prize was, you know, like one of our best friends. And uh, everybody was up in arms about that. They, 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 children of 11 years and younger started shouting, <laughs> Fix! It's a fix! <laughs> and it had not crossed our minds. I'd never heard of that term before. It probably was a fix, thinking back. I can't remember telling him that we, where they were, but he would have he would have known the same he hiding places known, we would yeah. have. <laughs> yeah. And uh, this reminds me of that. Perhaps they only selectively surveyed the children, but I don't know. I want to believe. I'd love to believe, wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, we got another bad note from Richard Burton over here on I their know. Uh, this sweet one revenge. Me. Yeah. Uh, so Laura Pearson from Winko Bank in Sheffield um, has adapted a poem, as she says, the old, the old uh, nursery rhyme, the skipping rope poem. Um, first name, last name is no good. Chop him up for firewood, and she's done it with Doctor Robotnik. I won't read the whole poem; it's not worth it. But it's just you know, it's just about <laughs> repeat. Do you want me to read the whole poem? Yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I feel like Laura Pearson wants you to read the whole okay. poem. Or rather, I feel like Laura Pearson definitely doesn't want you to read the whole poem, but the child version does. Okay, well, Laura, if you're out there, <laughs> Dr. Robotnik is no good. Chop him up for firewood. If he is no good for that, feed him to the pussycat. If Dr. Robotnik interferes, tie him up and box his ears. If that does not serve him right, blow him up with dynamite. And then Megadroid responds, Laura, it's good to hear you shattering the image of soft female humes and silly stories of sugar and spice, etc. And I'm like, well, once again, Richard uh, Burton has just zeroed in on, in this case, the gender of the letter writer, rather than having anything to say about what they, well, I mean, it is, I mean, it's a bad note and I don't like it. Yeah. And on on one hand, what is there to say? But don't say that. Don't say that, yeah. Yeah. Oh well. I mean, anyway, we're we've got our eye on you, Richard Burton. <laughs> Watch it. <laughs> what else do we have here? I, you know, I had a good, quiet sort of very modern day British Sonic fan chuckle to myself with uh, this letter from Adam Johnson from mm-hmm. Stoke on Trent, who says, um, "I'm fed up of Sonic rescuing people all the time. <laughs> I mean, he must make some mistakes. I'd like to see someone save him for a change." And I'm like, "Can you imagine like somebody criticizing STC by saying that Sonic isn't fallible enough in this day and age?" <laughs> yeah. 
Megadroid <laughs> suggests that that's why he keeps tails around, but... <laughs> David, do you get any letters like this that's like, do this different... Oh, well, I'm sure, yeah, okay, I'm sure <laughs> yes. you do. Yeah, okay. um, <laughs> you know, you get the helpful version of that, which is someone who's like, you put a name here where it shouldn't be a name. At one point, uh, I think Cream the Rabbit says that she misses Cream the Rabbit. Oops. Whoopso. So, you know. Yeah, fair uh, enough. Fair play. Fix it in the trade. <laughs> yeah. Are you able to fix that sort of thing in the trade, or is that, like, not how it works? Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Well, basic, that's basically how IDW's Transformers books used to work. They just have to use to look at the wiki articles I would write uh, the day the comic came out, <laughs> and then they would make the corrections in the trades. Okay, giving away all my secrets, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> this would be before your time, Dave. That's still how I do yeah. it. <laughs> uh, what else do we got? Uh, oh, well, you know, here, speaking of editorial policies, tough at the top, Louis Vanderman from Pool in Dorset asks, why doesn't Sonic answer the letters instead of Megadroid? It's not oh. that I don't like Megadroid, it's just that I thought Sonic could reply instead. And, uh, I mean, Megadroid says, put yourself in Sonic's shoes, whizzing from zone to zone, battling Dr. Robotnik to save the planet. Would you find it exciting, having to do overtime in a stuffy office, slaving over the paperwork? And, um, I mean, we've talked before about how we liked the fact that there was this Tharg-style fictional editor creating that little in-between zone between the fiction of the comic strips and the real world outside the comic. Yeah. Um, later issues, Sonic would actually take over the letters page many years in the future. But do you ever get requests like that, David, where they, they'd like, like, didn't didn't Archie used to do that at some point? Sonic did answer the letters or something in their so. comic? Few requests like that, often it's more just like requests for very specific information. I know I've gotten letters asking exactly how tall various characters are. What is the audience age split on like the Sonic books? I'm glad that it seems to be something that appeals to so many people across the age range. I know mm -hmm. that we do Scholastic exclusive editions. They're sold at the Scholastic school book fairs. Oh. So there's a lot of kids who are reading oh, it. Oh, that's, I am so happy to hear that because that, that you know, Good. That's that's where you could get Stay Sonic back in our days at the Scholastic yeah. Book Club. Book Ferris, exactly. That's, that's, I'm sure that's where I got Fourth Dimension. I don't know. You that's know, it's funny. Yeah. I have no problem believing that children today like Sonic games and read Sonic comics and mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. And I have no problem that 30-somethings like us read it back in the day. It was just before we started doing this podcast, my brain had genuinely never even conceived of the idea that obviously there were young 20-somethings alive and enjoying Sonic in the world today who weren't there for it back when it started. Yeah. yeah. It, my brain... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, obviously, You're talking like, to like one, a, Chris. I know! <laughs> I think! I can't see you who said that. But academically, I understood that, but I'd never thought about it, and I was like... Off of the back of those games? <laughs> it was just no, so I know. I'm still there. <laughs> to me. Before we started this podcast, I truly never thought about it seriously. One of the know? most fascinating things about being an old Sonic fan is how the point at which... No, Dave, 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 you I... mean a fan of old Sonic. For we we are not <coughs> Sonic fans who are That's old. A... We're all <coughs> the prime of our lives. That's of course what I meant, yes. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> being one of those, uh, it's fascinating that like literally every era... And every game, you know, including whatever our least favorite is, whatever we think is a disaster, has a whole fan base mm -hmm. who think that it was never better than that. And that it's, uh, you know, there are people who are like, it's been downhill since they changed, you know, since Sonic 06, the best one. Yeah. <laughs> but there are, there are people like, for every single game, there's someone who that is their ground zero. And like, everything since has been 
in, in many cases they think worse or in some cases you know it, it, iterations on that and to them anything before is a strange weird aberration and then there's us to you know me and chris to who the first four games are like that's it and then everything else has been a, an odd jumble of different takes on what you could do next after that the correct response it's also <laughs> known in, in the academic studies <laughs> but I mean, I think that lends itself to what makes not just Sonic so appealing, but makes Sonic such a good comic mm-hmm. book, like a way to tell comic book stories, because that's kind of how people are about literally every other comic book or license turned into a comic book. Yeah. You get the one that you really love and then the rest is downhill. And You're right. You're absolutely you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we know we're right, but we're just, you know, we're agreeing out of politeness. <laughs> <laughs> I jest. It's all performative, of this podcast. Yeah, sincerely, like, what what you and your team have done with the current setup of Sonic, I, I'm not, you know, not even having a go at the current setup of Sonic, I wouldn't have quite known how to turn that into a comic series that could happen now. And you have. It's really good. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> I realized, weirdly enough, the last issue that will have come out because of, well, everything going on in the world yep. was our Sonic 27. Oh, oh no wow. Oh, oh, wow. wow. I love it. That's great. Oh, yeah. oh if, o- if only I'd known that, we'd have tried to get you on this issue instead of it just happening. <laughs> oh, that's great. Snap. Oh, wow. Okay, well, right. Uh, last letter is a random one here from Robert Carrigan of Bembridge in the Isle of Wight. says, I have a serious question for you concerning Cool Spot. If he was committed to a monastery, would he be known as Sad Spot? I, I, I don't think I got that. No, like sad? Sad in the 90s sense? As in uncool? Yeah, like, as or... in like a sado. Yeah, like, or yeah, because that's the yeah, yeah, that's, probably because typically the sentiment one associates with monasteries is it? No, or are it, they it implying must... it's because Cool Spot isn't going to be out f- <laughs> once he's in a monastery, <laughs> <laughs> so he'll be inherently uncool? <laughs> that would wouldn't that look like tiddlywinks? <laughs> <laughs> one one partner is shot out into the air. Mm. Uh, well, Megadroid replies, Interesting theory, Robert. Does that mean that in order to cheer him up, we'd have to send him to an exotic holiday location where he'd become Sunspot? Hey, that's a, that's a good comment. That's an actual spot joke where a sad spot... I don't know what the kid was going no. for there. It must be in the 90s sense. They must be thinking, what's the who's the biggest shadow in the world? I know, a monk. A monk, yeah. <laughs> Just realised I was about to jump over to the next issue page and we haven't even talked about the two pictures. Oh my gosh! Yeah, oh, right. Well, so we doing that, they're doing that thing again where they've got a theme going between the two. Mm. On the left, we have take Sega, uh, which is do you get it? Like take like, that, take that, yeah. Who were a band at the time? Take that. So what we've who we've got in take Sega? Sonic, nowhere to be seen. No, this funny is, that, yeah. Yep, yeah, it's Buster Bunny from Tiny Toons. Yeah, it's <laughs> thank you. It's Tails, Sonic. Uh, <laughs> it's Cool Spot from Cool Spot, and it's Taz. Uh, (laughs) and they've all got well at least all of them except taz have got microphones his may be cut off the side of the the picture there and there's a a speaker blaring with music and they're they're doing they're doing their best boy band and then over on the right we have an important contemporary reference of exactly the sort that sonic the hedgehog might reference (laughs) i didn't put it together oh my god (laughs) you're so right because it's it's zz top (laughs) what i'm sorry (laughs) 
Don't offend. I know you want to try. Don't worry. I'm just trying to annoy the American. <laughs> yeah, it's a guy from ZZ Top. Does it matter which one? I don't tell them apart. It's nope. the ginger beard one. I, I don't know if they all had ginger beards or not, but that's who it is. And he's uh, and he's now. In fact, I know so little about ZZ Top that I don't know what the joke is here. Yeah, I don't get it either. Sonic yeah. is standing in front of ZZ Top Man, and he is singing, "We're a pincushion." So presumably, there's a ZZ Top song that's like, "We're a we're a something." No, there's a ZZ Top song called "Pincushion." Look at that! Oh! Isn't it good to have an American well, here? There we go. <laughs> Does he say "We're a pincushion" in that song or? I just googled it, you guys. <laughs> oh no! You the, the, ah, the prestige. It's <laughs> so that's oh whoa, whoa and those are sorry. Take Sega is by Stuart Gibbs of Ardrossan, Scotland, and uh, ZZ Top is Alexander Pride of Perthshire, Scotland. All right, next issue. Tails is back. New story. Sonic's pal up to his oh, tails in trouble again. We don't have any new art though. The next issue preview is just some recycled Richard Elson pals from the last oh, couple yeah. of issues. But we've got a free giant Sonic and Tails poster, and I have no memory oh. of what that is because I know the physical copy I have does not have it in it. But I'm sure yours does. Day hmm. of so I, we'll see. I, well, I wonder if it's the one I've been trying to place that's been on my wall these twenty-five years. Oh, maybe it's not in there. We'll find out. New. Pirate STC. What's it all oh, about? What? Turn the page, dummy. Excuse and we'll turn me? the page in just one second. Sonic Terminator, The Big Finish, Streets of Rage, Ship of Doom, uh, STC 28. It's a mega blast on sale Saturday, 11th of June, 110. Handle with care. And as we close out, turn the page, dummy. This is a full-page version of those weird, gross little half-page yes. ads we've been seeing in the last couple of issues yeah. of these horrible little somewhere halfway <laughs> between Spumco and John Chris Volusi and Robert Crumb awful little cartoonmen. And it's <laughs> Pirate STC, a new yeah. strip starting next issue. Prepare for serious weirdness next issue. And it doesn't say, on this advert page, by the way, if you hadn't read the next issue bit, it still doesn't say Pirate STC or a mm. new strip coming soon. It just says Pirate. Pirate. Yeah, but there's mm -hmm. Fez head and skull from the Sega Pirate television adverts. We had seen yeah. the skull in the previous half-page adverts. This is straight up the single barmiest thing Sonic the Comic would ever do. It's unpleasant yeah. to look at. Um, <laughs> I straight up could not, as a child, yeah. being of the exact audience it was aimed at, could not tell what I was looking at, what was going on, what reaction I was supposed to have. I didn't know what this was even as I read it. I'm going to be interested to see it again. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Very interesting. <laughs> yeah. I have been looking forward to it. Cannot wait. I don't know what to expect. Mexican avocado bandit pundits. That's all I remember. Gosh, I don't remember that either. <laughs> <laughs> so that is issue 27, David. Awesome. How did our issue 27 compare to your issue 27, <laughs> do you think? Well, that was obviously best. Uh, I mean, ours is uh, pretty good. I, I like it, but I'll accept yours. <laughs> Our humble offering. So is this the first cover-to-cover uh, -cover STC you've read? We know you've yeah. read some bits, but... This mm. is the first cover-to-cover -cover STC I've read. I gotta say, I was fascinated that this was, relatively speaking, an anniversary or birthday issue. 
Yeah, I know. Yeah. There's like, there's <laughs> just, yeah. just nothing there. They've done this before, haven't they? There's been an issue that's been the something or other, like the Halloween oh, special. Oh, that's right. It was mm-hmm. the Halloween issue where yeah. there was absolutely no Halloween content. Like, in the future, so. they will do more... They did do a Christmas issue, and there was a real yeah. Christmas story in it. We had yes. that. Fifth, I remember the 50th issue gets, gets a metallic ink treatment and a bunch of yes. free gifts and stuff. Sure, makes yeah. sense. But uh, I don't really feel like they're... Birthdays were things they really flagged up. You might have got a free gift on future birthday issues. But um, it's a handy yardstick for us to measure how long we've been doing this podcast as well. Certainly Can is, you believe yeah. it's been a year no. already? No. Where I did mean, that go? I mean, it's been much. over a year from our point of view, because we started yeah. recording in February of last year, and we let it build up for a couple of months before we released yeah. anything. Yeah. So uh, one year down and a whole bunch to go. <laughs> and it's been, I, I must say, in a moment of sincerity, it really has been tremendous fun. No, I know. I have had it? a great time doing this podcast yeah. so far. I used to podcast on and off for years, yeah. doing all sorts of random things. And mm. I hadn't done it for a long time before you asked me to do this. So I was a bit, oh, podcast, and then I just remember how it was like, oh, we're having to set aside X amount of time every week. <laughs> of course, I was working at the time, and now I'm self-employed these days, so my time is my own to set, so that does help. <laughs> but uh, I have to say, no, I mean, I actively look forward to to, to recording yeah. a new episode of this and getting to, to go back over this and just have fun chatting rubbish about what, <laughs> what it were like in them times. That's it. That's it. Yeah, I, I, I'm now at the point where I'm comfortably more happy talking about Woolworth than I am talking about half the strips in the comic. <laughs> but, you know, I think I was always that way. Woolworths has now become the byword for just whenever we go off on a rant. Oh, we've done a Woolworths. <laughs> but I, I, it's always great to have guests on as well because we we have mm. run the gamut with guests now at this point. We've mm. had people our own age who were there at the time. We've had Americans who had read it. We've had Anna had never read it before. David, I think you're our first full-blown American who wasn't even alive at the time. (laughs) Yep. You've broken down a barrier here. Well, why do we invite this guy on? (laughs) Well, he is the editor on the second best Sonic comic going. Yeah. All right. That ever, I'd be prepared to say. I think that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I've not read those French comics. <laughs> oh, actually, those do look good. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> no, IDW, for all of the joking that we do, when we, whenever we talk about, like, the American comics, we do mean not just even Archie, a very specific slice oh, in the middle of Archie. Yes. Basically, the, the, the stuff that was running concurrent with when we first got on the internet. That's uh, it. You know, <laughs> like, we've said it before. I think... Anybody who stuck with us for the first year and hasn't rage quit over it, I think probably <laughs> understands at this point that all that stuff is done with love, you know? But uh, no, the IDW Sonic comic is honestly really good. And if anyone listening to this hasn't tried it, I say try it. There are trades you can catch up. It's one of those where it has got a story you can start from the start. And like, it's wait till you see how well drawn it is. I mean, hands down, some of the best artwork of like the modern Sonic design there's ever been. Like what those guys can do with designs that in an early before I saw those comics I might have written off entirely. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that, that sentence means very coached in certain terms, purely from a personal standpoint. No, they no they honestly they've transformed how I think of the modern Sonic designs. I've now have loads of drawings of the modern Sonic designs that I like looking at. <laughs> they are really really good at drawing, and not just the one I'm married to. The, the rest of them are very 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 good. Well, I think that's it for this year 
here's to many more. I feel like we should have a cake or something, but we're in yeah. different, you know, countries Dave already at did. the minute. So. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's right. You had a little cake and choked on it too. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> well, have your cake. And I hope you <laughs> choke on it again. Um, before we go, David, is there anything that you would like to plug to the masses at home? Of course. Uh, first, IDW Sonic will be back soon now that comics have started to ship again. Issue 28 should be out on June 24th, and then we'll be back to a eh, mostly regular schedule. Keep up to date with IDW and Diamond for actual details about when exactly things will be shipping out. Speaking of comics, all the other comics that I edit will be back too. Actually starting even as soon as like end of May, uh, there will be new issues of Transformers and The Kill Lock and Kanto coming soon that you can pick up and check out. And last thing, let me just say, I know he came up a couple times during the show, I'm co-writing a Transformers vs. The Terminator miniseries. Issue number one is out now, issues two through four will be out soon. Finally, check out my Twitter, I'm at IDW underscore David, D-A-V-I-D, underscore M, and it's me talking comics and posting pictures of my dog sometimes. Well, while you're waiting for the chance to get your hands on those comics, if you want to continue hearing us talk about this comic, you can get the podcast on Apple Podcasts, and it's also available online at stctp.wigglehe.com. Yep, you can get it directly from there if you don't like apples. But if you don't mind apples, what you should do is give us some reviews on there. Because every time you do... Well, I think you can only do it once each. But every time someone does, we get bumped a little bit up that algorithm. And somebody else sees our podcast who might not have seen it before. You can follow the podcast at Sonic Podcast on Twitter, where we post the links to the new episodes. And uh, and I feel like I've been trying to retweet or post uh, pictures of things that folk are sending us, uh, old yeah. pieces of Sonic merchandise and posters and stuff that they're digging out as they find the podcast. That's great. Yeah. I love that. More of those, That's please. brilliant. Yeah. yeah, keep them coming. And you can also follow us individually on there, too. I am at Chris McFeely. I'm at Demon Tomato Dave. And plug those same names into YouTube and you'll find us both there as well. By the time you hear this, I will have delivered my 100th episode <gasps> of my YouTube series. Oh, which oh. I am currently plugging away Yay. at creating and it's a <laughs> beast this one if you want to support the podcast you can go to patreon.com slash stctp as we say every episode we still haven't got any <laughs> tiers or rewards up or anything at least at the time we're recording this because there aren't enough hours in the day guys but if <laughs> you just want to show yeah. your support for what we're doing right now and hopefully pave the way for more stuff that's where you can go to do it. Our theme tune, our opening theme tune, was synchronized by Sonic the Comic The Band, and you can get it at sonicthecomic.bandcamp.com. They are Sonic the Comic The Band. We have been Sonic the Comic The Podcast. For a whole year we've been it. And we will see you next time for the start of the next year. Yes. Bye. 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 Bye.